Good morning, good afternoon, evening, and good night. Whenever, wherever, however you care to join us, welcome to the Hot Tad Podcast. And coming to the ring is one half of your host with the most that will whip you from pillar to post. All power to the people himself, Shabo. Along with the mastermind behind the design, the lineage of excellence himself, Big Grizz Eric Billups. Eric, how you doing? How you living? How you feeling today, my friend? I'm and I'm feeling great. That's good to hear. We got another jam-packed show for you. We this is the weekend of weekends for wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Of course, we kind of reserve that for WrestleMania. But right. considering there's wrestling going on this weekend. Oh my gosh. Oh my excited. Oh my gosh, it's correct. I'm very excited. I love the sport of wrestling. Correction. I love the art of wrestling. Because I do feel like this is an art form that not many people can do. You know, Picasso can paint, Bret Hart can work, you know. <laughs> so come on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's different strokes for different folks, but I love the art of wrestling. I love talking about wrestling. I love doing this podcast, and I love the fans that are listening. Thank you. Speaking, speaking of the fans, man, we, we from you know on behalf of sharing myself, we have to thank you guys so much. Our last show is our second most listened show of all time, and the first one, the first the the. Most listened one was our very first show. So we can't thank you guys enough for taking out the time, you know, out of you guys' busy schedule to take time to listen to us, whether it was 30, whether you even listen to it for 30 seconds or you listen to it the entire show. Just the fact that you guys took the time out to listen to us. We we can't thank you guys enough because we, we put a lot of work into Yes. It. You know, especially with our own schedules, you know, craziness going on. Spoiler alert, our show is supposed to <laughs> go on last week. But, you know, life happens. You know, we both had stuff going on. But you guys drive us to keep this going. And I tell you, just, just I'm, I don't know, man. I'm at a loss for words. Like, I'm so appreciative. You, buddy, you, you're getting me choked up over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to be too emotional about yeah. it, but man, yeah. we're just two we're just two guys that talk about wrestling, and regard you know, just the fact that they listen to us is, is absolutely awesome. And as long as you guys keep listening, we're going to keep doing this always, 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 always. But let's not keep our fans waiting. Let's not keep the people waiting. We're going into our first segment, which I like to entitle "Raw Down," which is you know a mixture between Raw and SmackDown. The reason we're going into Raw Down because tonight is a very, very important night. Extreme Rules, Helen from Philadelphia. And for those who don't know, Philadelphia is one of the most bloodthirsty crowds around. So, fly goes fly. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's not a fan, so he can't say it, but I'll say it for him. But I do respect the Eagles, though. So, Leave it like that. But we had Raw on July 8th. Um, uh, did you watch Raw? I did. I, I watched I, I watched uh, most, of, most of Raw, actually. Well, um, 
No, because I, I was going to say that because it's going to have a lot to live up to for what happened the previous week with the whole Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman thing. So I was intrigued to see how they was going to follow up with that. Um, so really quick, for those who didn't know, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley went crashing through the stage, like the uh, background part. And there was a lot of fireworks going off and they both got stretched off. It was a big deal. Twitter blew up about it. I popped about it. Eric popped about it. We talked about it on our podcast last week. Here's my frustration. We're starting already. This week, heel turn. <laughs> this is my heel turn. Bobby Lashley returned to wrestle with not one scratch or mark on him, and he didn't even reference what happened to him last week, like if it never happened which I thought just killed the entire angle they got with him and Braun Strowman. He shows up like nothing happened, and he beat Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was making his return, and he squashes Rey Mysterio. So, for one, you killed Bobby Lashley's angle last week, then you just killed Rey Mysterio's return. So, who really got over in that match? Honestly. I did not understand that. Why didn't Bobby Lashley? He could have came to the ring limp. Well, for one, I didn't even think he was going to show up. I mean, doing all that, why would you even show up the next week? You should have had the people waiting to see you at the next pay-per-view, except for showing up, not one mark on you, not even a Band-Aid, <laughs> you know, after that, you know, and then you just squash Ray Mysterio, like, it, it, like nothing happened. Like, you didn't go crash through a stage. Like, you didn't have Twitter on fire. Why didn't they ride with that? Yeah, I would have rolled that damn thing to the grave, you know? Like, I don't know. That was my thoughts on that. Like, when I saw him come out, I'm like, why are you here? Why aren't you bandaged up? And then you just beat Rey Mysterio in three minutes. So, Rey Mysterio, what was the point of you coming back? And what was the point of Bobby Lashley coming back? I don't get it. Didn't understand it. And that's my heel turn. I'm I'm with you because I didn't understand it. I was shocked when Bobby Lashley's music came on. And like you said, like, you know, he did no bandages, you know, around his waist or anything like that. Like, it was nothing. And then, like you said, he comes out and squashes Rey Mysterio. And I get, you know, I guess his promo, you know, from, I guess, the doctors or wherever he was at, yeah. he was saying that he was good that he was going to put Braun Strowman in a morgue. First of all, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, woo. Okay. It's all right, all right, Bobby. I see, I see you. He's mad, man. But at the same time, it, it, it builds, it builds for the pay-per-view, but it was, you know, just that segment, you know, with Mysterio, like, at this point, where do, where does Mysterio lie? Because he comes back, he gets squashed. What do you do with Mysterio at this point? Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Like, that was – you just killed his whole character. You just killed his whole return. And you just killed the whole angle you, you did with Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. So what do I have looking forward to tonight with their match? Well, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you what. Let's not make any mistakes here. That that's gonna be a brawl tonight. Oh, most I definitely. Mean, you, if you're expecting technical wrestling from these two guys, <laughs> the wrong answer. First of all, it's a last man standing match, so you best believe that these guys are going to literally do 
whatever they can, apparently even putting somebody in the morgue to win this match. And it's so and I think at this point it's so much more than just a regular last standing match between, you know, two behemoths. Yeah. Braun Strowman has something to prove in the fact of, you know, I don't like the way things have been going lately. Right. But let me remind you guys of the monster that I am. This is the same guy that brought down the Titan Tron. This is the same guy who pushed over a freaking eighteen wheeler. Right. And I think a lot of people have forgotten, especially with the way he's been booked lately. People have forgotten how powerful Braun is, and I think he, you know, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And also with Bobby Lashley, because Bobby Lashley feels like he should be in the main event picture, right? You know, and and I don't, I don't necessarily think his Intercontinental Championship reign really did him any favors. I think Leo Rush got him over more than the Intercontinental Championship did. Most definitely. So I feel like, so these guys both have chips on their shoulders and these guys have something to prove. And they are going to bring, <laughs> as, 45, as 45 likes to call it, fire and fury to this match tonight. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still looking. Like you said, these are two big bohemians going at it. Big power moves, big slams. But the angle itself, I think, is dead now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, after but this, there's know. nothing to do with them. Yeah. I, I, with the exception of the winner. The loser, the winner, the winner, you can do something with. The loser, it's like, at this point, what do you do with them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where you go from here. Um, I'm about to make a face turn now. Because I buried this guy, I think, the past two segments or two uh, podcasts, and that's Ricochet. Because Ricochet proved something to me. He's a fighting champion. Get out. Like, I don't like his promos, per se. I think I said last week he has the charisma of an artificial plant. Um, (laughs) That's on the mic. But in the ring, he has great charisma, you know, and the fact that he can sell. And the fact of, I, I like, I like how they set that up. Paul Heyman did a great job booking this because I like how they set it up. He beat Gallows and then he beat Anderson, which shows that he has heart to fight. And then he gets jumped by all three, Gallows, Anderson, and AJ Styles, but he kept getting up. And the more he got up, the more they beat him down. And he kept getting up. So just like, oh, he's a fighting U.S. champion. Like, you're not, you're not going to keep him down. He's going to keep getting back up, and that's what I respect about him now. So, Ricochet, I apologize to you. Um, you I think you're sitting to work on your mic skills, but in the ring and showing your charisma in the ring and showing your talent in the ring and showing that you can sell and that you have great psychology, I apologize. He's probably well, never going to hear this, but – I'm saying for the people who are listening, who are Ricochet fans, I apologize to y'all for bringing down your boy. I think I might I, it, once this uh, once this goes up, I think I might put it on Twitter and tag Ricochet in it because I yeah. felt like for the, I, it it's, it breaks my heart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the way you've dealt Ricochet the past couple of weeks. So to hear you say this, yeah, it's like the heavens are opening. And it's like, yeah, oh, he sees the light, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricochet, you're, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to your match tonight. Um, so with that, oh gracious, I'm so over this. The whole Rollins and Becky Lynch thing. 
Oh, God. I'm over it. Oh, God. Over it. Like, just let this end already. Because they faced uh, Andrade and whoever that chick is. What's her name? I don't even know her name. <laughs> Selena Vega. What he said. You know they was going to win. You know, that's great momentum for them going into, you know, tonight's pay-per-view. But they're going against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Now, I still see a lot of potential in Lacey Evans. But, you know, I'm not going to go on Baron Corbin. I think the last three podcasts, I've been Baron Corbin. So, but you know how I feel about it. Fans, y'all know how I feel about it. And I'm just over it. I just can't wait for this to be done. And we can move on to the next pay-per-view and the next angle because this is just not doing it for me. How about you? Uh, God. Uh, I, I don't think – Baron. believe it or not, Baron Corbin doesn't bother me so much as the fact of this whole Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch relationship thing being making it such a big thing. Like, I think I said that last podcast. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, uh, uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good yeah. on it. Like, they're in a relationship. Great. Okay. Like, you don't have to make them, you know, you don't have to make them a thing. I feel like that's already been done enough, you know, in, in WWE. It's like, it's almost like they're kind of recycling the same thing and just picking up on what's hot. But the problem is, and it's nothing wrong with going with what's hot, but at, God, at least book it right. Like, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, when they were trying to make Roman Reigns the man and was just constantly shoving him down our throats. Like, yeah, I almost get that same feeling with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, which I hate because both of them are amazing performers. And, but I feel like it's almost like they're exploiting the relationship. Like, it's just unwritten rule in music. Like, when two artists get into a relationship, like, it's a curse if they do a song together because then the relationship never works out. I feel like this is kind of, this could go the exact same way. Like, you exploit the relationship enough, you know, it's going to hurt the, you know what I'm saying, the internal. Right? Yeah. I guess you could say. And it's like they don't. Neither of them need that. They're good on their own. Like you don't have to put them in this position, and just putting them in these intergender matches on on Raw just to highlight it. To me, it's just like okay, on to the next. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, what's gonna happen when they break up, or if they break up? Like, so they're not a tag team anymore. Like, I don't get it. I, I, I no, no. I just don't get it. I, Whatever. Like I said, I'm over it. Um, good luck to them tonight. I'm pretty sure they're going to win. Um, but you got to put some know. more respect on Selena Vega's name, though. <laughs> you got to put uh, some respect on her name. She's so talented. I, I, I believe you probably haven't really, in your eyes, you probably haven't seen it yet. But she's she's a very talented, she's also a very talented wrestler, too. If you haven't, I believe you. I believe you. Oh, you dude, just dude. need to see more of her. You need you need to see more of her. You know, yeah, on like on singles action, not with not with a draw day, but right. in singles action. I, I believe you. I believe you. Um, next is what I thought could have been considered a heel turn, and when Bailey attacked Nikki Cross, did you see that? I did see that. That was interesting. That, that looked like a heel turn because why would you attack her? If she didn't do nothing to you. Like I didn't get it, and I was like, you just did something a heel would do. 
you're the champion. She's not. <laughs> so why are you beating up on her? I, I, I wish I could give you like a, a you know, from my perspective, a, a good answer on that. But I, I guess to me is the only thing that's how you that's how you make the match between that's how you make the match between them. You know, and, hit her, piss her off. All right, fine, let's go to the ring and do this thing. It's it's kind of felt like it was kind of, you know, just thrown together. Oh yeah, yeah. You know and, and I was gonna say I was gonna say this is like one of my favorite angles so far, the whole belly naked cross angle <clears throat> and the X of Bliss. I like this angle, but it just on on Raw just didn't understand why she would do that to Nikki, and like I said, it just felt like a heel turn. But I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I, I have a theory, but I but I'm gonna reserve it. But I'm gonna reserve it for our for our predictions for extreme. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So and guys, it, stay so guys, stay with the show if you if you want to hear because I I understand some of you guys are like, what are these guys talking about? Just hear us out, listen to the whole show, you'll get and understand. Yeah, and it's not a conspiracy theory. We don't do conspiracy theories. No. I'm just playing. Yeah, we do. But moving on. I was going to go with the it. Hot like, <laughs> you know, I plan, show, sure. I plan on storming Area 51, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> so conspiracy theories here all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the end of Raw <clears throat> kind of had me laughing because it ended with a high-flying janitor, which I just thought was comedic to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> but it turned out to be Cedric Alexander. But once again, I was a little confused on how he fits into that angle with, you know, Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Where did the janitor come in at? I didn't I, – I understood it, but then once I found out it was Cedric Alexander, I was like, well – is he gonna be in the match too? Is he like uh, a special guest referee or something? Like, what's <laughs> like, what was the point of that? The name Gary Garbutt <laughs> will forever go down <laughs> in a wrestling. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I didn't get it either. Because first of all, when they talk to him, like, okay, I get the move. Like, you guys are trying to find the least most athletic person in the arena to be Roman Reigns' partner. I get that. What I didn't get was the guy coming out in the face mask. And I guess that, and I get it, like, you had to cover, you know, you wanted to make it a surprise or whatever. But even when he came out, I'm like, that doesn't look like Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Janitor. Yeah. limping to the ring. Because first of all, I was like, why are you limping to the ring? Like, what happened to you between the time <laughs> Shane and, and Drew talked to you to the time you got to the ring. Like, what, did you get jumped or something? Like, why are you well, to the ring? Well, um, they had saw him in the hallway first, and he was limping. With, I think he had a mop and a bucket or something. He was limping with that. And then that's when they pulled him into the office, and then that's when it became Cedric Alexander for some strange reason. I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe I missed that part. But I'm with you as far as the Cedric. I guess that was just the surprise. And it, <laughs> I was just as surprised yeah, as Roman because Roman was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, yeah. That's how we're both like, weird flex, but all right. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> I, I didn't get it, but I don't know. I guess Raw was pretty good. I mean, with people building momentum leading into tonight's pay per views, 
people getting over leaving it, leading into tonight's pay-per-view. So, oh, and we can't forget how Paul Heyman walked out and said that Brock Lesnar will cash in at Extreme Rules. Wow. And I also like, and I also like how he hinted on Extreme Rules. You know, Extreme will be held in Philadelphia, and you gonna have Paul Heyman there. I got tingles thinking of that. I was like, yeah, he going to bring it. In he my gonna eyes, he going to make sure his guys going to blow up. He said what? I, I feel like Paul Heyman can do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, everything is so – everything he does is so spot on and you get it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not looking past extreme rules, but I know afterward is when they're really going to have their hands on uh, Bischoff to Ron Smackdown. So everything that's come up, like me, I wasn't as impressed with this Raw as I was the week before. I wasn't as impressed. Right. I got it, but I wasn't, but it didn't get me. It didn't keep me as much as uh, the show before did. But like, him saying, I happen to know about uh, Philadelphia. I happen to know about things extreme. It's like he's building like you could have given me that promo. Forget everything else. I'm tuning in. <laughs> That's all you got to give. Give me Paul Heyman talking about extreme rules and you've got me. all the other stuff. Yeah. But that that's what got me. I was gonna watch Extreme Rules anyway, but his but his promo is what excited me about it. Right, right. You know, so okay. it's it's uh, it's gonna be interesting if nothing else. But this show just it it didn't do it for me like like uh the one before it did. Yeah, it wasn't on fire as as the week before, but <clears throat> maybe we just sit and watch, maybe you know, the raw after this pay per view will pick back. Um, on the SmackDown, <clears throat> which was July 9th, 2019, great opening with Kevin Owens. And he did Love his that. shoot, he did his shoot interview, not a promo, but he did a shoot on Shane McMahon. And I didn't even notice this when he said Shane McMahon has more TV time than any other superstar in the back. And he started naming some of them, like, was it Apollo Crews? Oscar and all them, and I was just like, he does. Oh my gracious, that went over with me. I, I told you, Kevin Owens is my guy, you know, especially because with him on the mic and his move sets in the ring and his psychology, Kevin Owens is the guy. And I liked how they made it look real. How Shane McMahon kept cutting his mic, and Kevin Owens going grab another one, and the Shane McMahon went over to the production table that was in the crowd. Which is kind of like, kind of like, it seemed to me it was like breaking the fourth wall type of thing. Like, oh my goodness, that's what a production table is, <laughs> you know? And have and had the guy cut his mic. I was just like, wow, this all seems real. Like, but once again, that's Eric Bischoff. Remember, Eric Bischoff used to do that in WCW a lot. So he's bringing a lot of that over here, and I'm I'm loving it, man. I love Kevin Owens' promo, how he caught him out and put him on blast, and that was great. It was so great because I feel like it was a relief. It was a relief to all the fans who have felt who who have felt that way and have expressed that 
on, you know, WWE's Twitter or WWE's Instagram or Facebook page, and it's like they're not being heard. Kevin Owens took it upon himself to be like, oh, well, let me tell you what's really going on. Shame since you're not seeing it, since you're being so egotistical. And I and I love the I love the fact that they started out with they said, you know, they they the four of them came out here and they said there wasn't gonna be any more authority figures, they were gonna give us what they want. And what do we get? We get Shane. Twenty you might as well put the 24-7 championship on Shane because he's on TV that much. And I don't even like his heel, I don't even like his heel work. Yeah. First of all, let's let's not get it twisted. The very first time that Shane came that Shane came back, I popped louder than anybody else. Right, and I liked where they were going with him until the rumbling started coming about again. Then I'm like, all right, well, I get it. You know, he's the best in the world. You know, that's where they want to go. All right, cool. I'm with it. But that doesn't mean that you put the guy on TV for, you know, an hour and 47 minutes out of a two-hour show. Right. <laughs> Come on. Really? Yeah. I would, I would much rather watch reruns of the Firefly Funhouse. Woo! Come on. Like, Shane, I love you, bro, but come on. Like, we got to get you the, up out of here. <laughs> yeah, and we got to get some new talent on screen. Like, like Kevin Owens was saying, because I was wondering, where's Oscar? You, you know, like where where is Apollo Cruz? Because I think he has a lot of potential. You know, the people who are champions don't even get that much TV time. Um, going to the the next thing I saw was the Nakamura and Finn Balor match. They was on Ooh. TV for what, ten minutes, and that was it. And then it went right we back to shit. Huh? If that, if that, and then it went right back to Shane. But getting from that, uh. For those who don't know, can Nakamura. I say something? Can I say something about? Oh, oh, are you going? Are you about to go into Nakamura and Balor? I was. Are you about to go on another rant? Because if so, I have nothing to do with it. I'm not. I am not about to go. I'm not about to go on a rant. Okay, <laughs> but go ahead. Oh uh, no, because I was going to say uh, I like how um, Nakamura is having great momentum now, winning and beating Finn Balor, even though it was a non-title match. You know, he pent the champion leading into their uh, pay-per-view out tonight. So that was great momentum for Nakamura. Um, which I think he needs. I mean, because he's he done cooled off so much after was it WrestleMania of last year? Yeah. When he had faced AJ Styles. First he won the Royal Rumble, then he faced AJ Styles, and then they doused him with cold water after that. And I think he's been trying to dry himself off ever since. Ooh, I like that analogy. I just came up with that. That's cool. That was good. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. good. Yeah, and I think he's been trying to dry himself off after that. I remember they made a tag team with him and Rusev. Eh. Hated it. You know, yeah, I ain't like that either. I was like, it, it, yeah, that didn't make sense to me. But um, so that was great for Nakamura. Uh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, for they weren't, like you said, they weren't out there that long. It was maybe 10 minutes. But Nakamura brought some heat. <laughs> On Finn, he was on Finn Balor's ass from bell to bell. He looked so strong in this match, and that's mm -hmm. the kind of Nakamura that I'm used to seeing. Even when he was in New Japan, like this is the Nakamura that I'm used to seeing. And 
whether he's heel or face, because I, th- I think he's fantastic, you know, both. This is our... We apologize for slight technical difficulty, but we're at we're back, and I'm gonna go right back into it. Back to Nakamura and Bauer. This is the like I was saying before. This is the Nakamura that I was used to seeing in New Japan. Right. If 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 you're gonna give him that type of win, you make him hot. You make him hot right away. If it was me, fantasy. All right, so we got, uh, you know, have him set up the big win. Uh, they're not wrestling tonight, but I'm pretty sure they'll wrestle on Tuesday. I think you keep Nakamura winning. You keep him winning and you build, you build him back up. You get you uh, get in Finn Balor's head and be like, okay, I'm not going to beat this guy, you know, unless, I have, unless I'm the demon. SummerSlam, Nakamura. Finn Balor, Intercontinental Champion, even Finn Balor, Intercontinental Championship. But, I'm going to tell you why. The Demon is undefeated at SummerSlam. Oh, didn't know that. Yes. Undefeated at, at SummerSlam. You are never going to get another WrestleMania streak like you got from the Undertaker. Yeah. I think you build on Finn Balor being the demon Finn Balor being undefeated at SummerSlam. And that's how you and you bring the people back. You make Finn Balor this generation's undertaker. Oh. If you keep Nakamura winning at this point, everybody is going to look at me like there's no way that he's going to beat the demon. But he's gotten so many wins up to this point that it's not going to hurt him. Because it, it hasn't hurt anybody that's beat that's been beaten by the demon. If right. anything, it's... especially if they pull off those five star matches, you know. And you know what? Put Nakamura and Finn Balor on a big stage, and you and you watch them tear the house down. I guarantee. It. Always, always. But yeah, I, I'm like you. I'm looking forward to this one, and I see this going on for a little while with them two. Cause both guys can work in ring. Both of them have great charisma. I like how Nakamura's like he has that rock star style to him. This is going to be a a great, uh, great in ring bout between those two for that Intercontinental Title. Uh, moving on, Heavy Machinery is building some momentum. And I'm starting to like Otis. <laughs> Otis has great charisma on the mic and in the ring. So it was a triple threat match on SmackDown with Otis against um, Xavier Wood and um, God. Who who else is it? Who, who else he had a triple threat match with? Uh, it was Heavy Machinery. It was the New Day, and was it Rowan? Oh, was yeah, it? yeah, it was Daniel Bryan. It was Daniel Bryan, yeah. I don't know, I'm, my mind drew a blank. Um, but Otis had pent Xavier <clears throat> in that match, which leads me to what I was saying last week, how I haven't seen a New Day win a match since Kofi became champion. You know, 
Like New Day is over, especially with the the in the, uh, on the mic work with their promos. But as far as winning and building momentum off of winning matches, I don't see that. They just keep doing jobs for guys. <clears throat> I, think, almost I, get... I think they've won some matches, but I think they've won. I think they've lost more than they've won. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. They probably have one more, well, one more than what I think, but they've definitely lost. Like the ratio isn't good. <laughs> no, it's Since not. Kofi became champion. Yeah, the ratio isn't good on how many they won. They might have won like that next night after Kofi became champion, and then they lost like five straight after that. And you know, they keep cutting great promos, but you got to have those W's, you know, to show that you're you're in title competition with being the next champion, being the sixth time. W, W. I ain't gonna do all that. But <laughs> I was literally, I was literally moving my hips as you were doing. That. Yeah, I, I was moving mine too, but I like, I feel silly doing this. But yeah, I just hope they get this win because they really need it for their uh, careers going forward. It can also go to heavy machinery, but with that gimmick, you know, I'm not a big gimmick person, so I don't know how long that's going to last. Like, right. so they might give it to them, let them hold it until SummerSlam or something and drop it to somebody else. But it will be a good look for them, you know? But, um, yeah. yeah. What do you, did you see that match? Uh, I saw parts of it. I uh, saw okay. parts of it. My kid was running all over the place. So I had to keep an eye on him, but uh, okay. I did see some of it. It, it was a great, I, I wasn't too thrilled about the match itself. But I liked what it presented because it made heavy machinery look strong. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. The new day between the new days already established. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, they're they're a relatively new tag team, but there's no denying that their chemistry together, that it works. Heavy machinery are the new are the new kids on the block. And I think it's I think it's imperative that you make those guys look as strong as possible going into this match. Right, right. To show that these guys, you know, these guys have a legit chance. Even third, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday. Those guys looked really strong. Like, you looked at that match and you were like, these guys could win on something. That's what I'm getting. They have great momentum going into tonight's pay-per-view. Yeah. So, I definitely, I definitely, that's, I'm not going to say that that's going to be a show stealer, but I think, People are going to be pleasantly surprised at how good that match is going to be. And if you paid attention to the match, Xavier Woods and Daniel Bryan was putting over Otis by letting him do the double backdrop on him and doing all these moves and stuff like that. Like they were really working around Otis to show off Otis's uh, in-ring ability. Yeah, I, and and just a hot take, I think Otis is so underrated. Yeah, okay. he's so underrated. So he's so he he's funny. He's funny and he's athletic. He's very yes. athletic guy, and I love yes. that guy. I love that. I want to. I want to see you. I want to see a big dude do a senton off the top rope. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see stuff like that. And Otis definitely. I think he has the the uh, the uh, uh, athletic prowess to do it. I believe you, my friend. Uh, moving on. Are you understanding these Shelton Benjamin promos? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, 
With that said, since he doesn't say much, let's move on. <laughs> I, I, I want to see what comes from it because it's like he just sits there and he looks at you kind of funny and just kind of cracks a smile and then it just goes away. And it's like, okay. You know, if you're a Shelton Benjamin fan like I am, you're like, I don't know where this is going, but let's see where it goes. I just hope they don't disappoint me because Shelton Benjamin, I, I believe, is one of the most underrated superstars that WWE's ever had. I think they really underutilized him. You know, I definitely see him as a, you know, a main eventer. So, yeah. I want to see he came up, And I like the class he came with, you know, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, and Brock Lesnar. People forget Shelton Benjamin was in that class also. They do. They do. Yeah. And, um, man, the guy can work. He can work. Yes, he can. But, uh, especially in the ring. Um, I'm liking how people are getting behind Roman ever since he returned after his uh, leukemia scare. Right. People are really getting behind him now. And I don't know. It shouldn't be from sympathy of his leukemia scare. They should have been getting behind him. Like, Honestly, I didn't care for Roman Reigns until after he beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Then I was like, oh, okay, he's establishing himself. He, you know, I knew it was a work, but I'm just like, he was he was ready for that, you know. To yeah. beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you got to be ready for what's going to happen afterwards. And to show that he was ready for that, I was like, you got my respect now. I'm a fan. I, I'm a little different because I, I – I already didn't like the fact that he was being rammed down my throat, but it pissed me off even more that he took over The Undertaker. And that's not even from a wrestling aspect. That was just from my own, like, seeing The Undertaker since I was, like, eight, nine years old. Like, that made me mad. But, you know, yeah. but it wasn't until the next night that he got me. When he sat in that ring and listened to everybody boo him for five minutes, and he literally says, this is my yard. My yard now. Yeah, that's when he got over with me. <laughs> you got me, dog. Like, yeah, I was like, okay, I got you, Roman. Yeah, you ain't scared of nothing. You willing to, you know, be the legend in his own home and like submit yourself? Because most guys, like, if it, they told me that you're gonna beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, I like, no, I'm, I'll quit, bro. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Roman took that ball. He was like, let's do it. And yeah. I, I like him now. I also like the match he had with Ziggler on SmackDown. What I liked particularly was the finish. It had a classic old school finish where um, Kevin Owens ran in, gave uh, Shane McMahon a stunner, or did he give it? To, he gave it to somebody. He gave somebody a stunner, and Roman Reigns. He said what? Give it to Ziggler. He gave it to Ziggler. Gave Ziggler a stunner, and then Roman Reigns got the pin. That was a once again Eric Bischoff. Remember Eric Bischoff loved run-ins. Remember he did that all the time in NWO. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that was a so when I saw that, I was like, that's Eric Bischoff's finish. That's an Eric Bischoff finish. And I loved it. It was cool. The crowd popped on it. And it was like unexpected. You didn't like I honestly did not think Kevin Owens was gonna get involved in that. So let me ask you a quick question. Okay. The the vibe I get is that they're trying to make Kevin Owens to the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. Between the promo and the and the stunner and stuff. Do you get that vibe? I get the vibe. See, I'm the type I don't want to cast a person under another person's shadow. 
So I don't think he's trying to be the next Stone Cold. I think he's trying to be the first Kevin Owens. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, you know, Kevin Owens is his own person. He dresses his own way. He cuts his own style of promos. And Stone Cold did his own style of promos, dressed his own certain way. But I don't think Kevin Owens is trying to be like Stone Cold. I think Kevin Owens is trying to be Kevin Owens and submit himself as at his own establishment, you know? Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with that. I don't think that's anything that he's trying to do. I think that's yeah. what WWE is trying to do. Oh, right. Well, yeah, what the company's trying to do is, yeah, yeah, I see, see what you're saying now. Yeah, with, with the booking committee. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. Call okay. Okay. So, as we were saying throughout the whole Raw Down segment, tonight is Extreme Rules. Coming to you from Philadelphia. I, I, the reason I keep saying that because I just think it's so cool you have an extreme wrestling in Philadelphia. You you know, you know that crowd is going to be on fire. Yeah, and, and that's the type. And I think WWE is doing the roll up the dice on this one because any everybody knows Philly Philly fans are a different breed. Right. You're a completely different breed. And so if you're going to bring extreme rules to Philadelphia, you damn sure better bring the noise or because they will boo, they will literally boo that entire pay-per-view from beginning to end if, they, if, if they're not really giving, you know, giving the fans what they want. And I think that's why this card is so stacked because they know they're in Philly, they just, uh, you know, they're just getting to a place where they're making changes. So I think they're rolling the dice and be like, "Hey, if we can, if we can get over in Philly, we're all right." Yeah, and uh, talk about the card. It's eleven matches tonight. I said, "Whoa, really?" I, I counted ten. Ten. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. I got eleven. We're about to go through. Yeah, let's go through it. So, all right, up first, and what we're doing now is giving you guys our predictions of what's going to happen tonight. Uh, up first, Intercontinental Title: Finn Balor versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That's Your the match that I missed. Okay, I'm okay. So I was, I didn't see. So that is oh, so that match is happening tonight. Yeah, well, they might put that as a pre-show for some dumb reason. But <laughs> oh my god, if they but I do look, I know when it comes to my rants, you know, we, we, we kind of pick and choose, but I, let me tell you something if this match is on the pre show, I am giving the rants of all rants next week. Flirt, so, guys, if, if know that when you guys watch the program and if Finn Bella and Nakamura is on the pre show, then. Y'all all are going to be like, oh, my God, the Big Grizz is going in next week. And once again, I have nothing to do with the rants. Call <laughs> <laughs> me. I'll, I'll take all – I love what you – I tell you guys all the time, I want all the smoke. I yeah. want all of it. Yeah, but what's your predictions for this match? This match, I believe uh, – okay, it's probably a stupid question. Is the title on the line? Yes. Finn Balor's going to win. 
I got Finn Balor too. I think he's going to retain and they're going to carry on this angle to the next pay-per-view. I think, like you said, I think they're going to go all the way to SummerSlam with this one. I think you have to. You, is it these two guys together? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you drag I, this as long as you can. Yeah, and I see a ladder match between these two. That would be great. Ooh. Oh, I like where your head. Yeah, at SummerSlam, ladder match, Intercontinental title. I think that'll bring more prestige back to the Intercontinental title, you know. So you got it up on this high pedestal. You got two great performers fighting for it. That's that's how I will book it, but I'm not Michael Hayes, so I don't know. Uh, Next match, Cruiserweight title, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. Am I saying his name right? Tony Nese. Tony Nese, right, right. Drew Gulak's the champion. What's your predictions? Uh, This one is a little shaky to me. I'm not really sure who I think is going to because I think Tony Nese, I think Tony Nese has the ability to retain, but Drew Gulak has been chasing that Cruiserweight championship since, since 205 Live's inception. Yeah. I don't unless there is some trickery, some tomfoolery or running, something that happens, I think it's going to take hell and high water to get that title off Drew Gulak. They might have a high-flying janitor running on this match. You never know. Cedric Alexander could come in in a, in a janitor suit and just lay everybody out and win. Who yeah, knows? so who knows? Who knows? I got Drew Gulak also, uh, only because on pay-per-views like this, Extreme Rules, it's not WrestleMania, it's not SummerSlam, it's not Survivor Series. So I think to build momentum for that person, I think they should retain at pay-per-views like this. Right. Uh, but that's just me. Um, next match, Alistair Black versus Cesaro. Whew, this is going to be nasty. Ooh, the shivers. Oh, my this is going to be nasty. This match is, oh, God, from bell to bell. This is going to be fun, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Forget analyzing. Guys, I'm going to analyze this match as much as I can to give you guys a a, a great review. But let me tell you, the little kid in me is like, put the notebook down and just watch this match for what it is. Right, right. Such an amazing match. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think both of these guys need a win because Alistair Black is basically making his re-debut back. So you don't want to lose your debut match. And Cesaro has been doing matches with No Way Jose. He needs a win to let people know that he's still Cesaro with the uh, uh what do they call him? The Swiss Superman? Yeah, the Swiss Superman, the Swiss Cyborg. I mean, and they call him a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so I think he needs a win at a at a pay-per-view once again in Philly to help cement him back into I don't know, a number one contendership for like a U.S. title or intercontinental title because the stuff he was doing with No Way Jose and all that stuff, it was just like, uh, they just fill in the blanks now. They're not really doing anything with them. So I think they both need a win. I'm going with Cesaro, though, but I also don't want to see Alistair Black do all those promos and those suits for him to come out there and lose So because it wouldn't make sense for him to do all those promos and then he'd lose his, his match, you know? But that's just my thoughts. I think the biggest conundrum is the who who goes over and who goes over. And yeah, just but you don't give Alistair Black all these promos and stuff, and then put him out there to lose. But at the same time, I think 
they I think they're setting Cesaro up for a world championship run. I really do. And so because of that, I think Cesaro's going to win this match. Yeah, I got Cesaro winning it. Sorry, Alistair. I know you did all those promos and you put a lot into it, but both of y'all this win. If he doesn't if, – if, if Alistair Black doesn't win, the loss is not going to hurt him as much as a loss would hurt Cesaro. Right, right, because Cesaro been just been – the comedy relief, the fill-in spot for for a couple weeks now. It'd be cool if they did like a no DQ, like they start fighting out the ring, and the ref was like, "Get in the ring!" And they, those two hate each other so much, they just keep fighting and fighting, and they and the ref DQs both of them. It'd be cool if they fight through the crowd. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's how I would book it: a DQ, so you know nobody wins, nobody loses. They're just showing these two fighting and brawling and, and doing what they have to do. Yeah, and then give them an epic match, uh, some type of epic gimmick match at uh, SummerSlam. Right, 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 right. Um, next match, we have Daniel Bryan and Rowan, who are the champions, putting their title on the line. The SmackDown Tag Team Champions, put that out there. Putting their titles on the line against New Day, Xavier Woods, and Heavy Machinery. Uh, who you got in this one? Uh, this one... I, I I've looked at this one actually for a little bit, and this is another one. I'm not really sure who who comes out, but if I had to guess, my prediction will probably be that the New Day are going to be champions again. I think I think Daniel Bryan and Ron will retain. But I don't want them to pin a member of the New Day to win their titles back because that would just kill it. That would. would just kill it. Like if Daniel Bryan pins Big E. Like, come on now. You know what I'm saying? To retain the title. Like, I think that would just kill New Day completely. I think, you know, they'd be, they'll fall off the edge. The old Thelma and Louise, they just drive straight off the edge. So I think Daniel Bryan, should, if they were to win, should pin a member of Heavy Machinery to retain. That That's how I would book it. But, I would. Yeah, I got I would say, I would see that unless and and unless if the, if the new day does get pinned, I feel like that that's gonna be that's gonna be the the beginning of a new day split. Yeah, because they 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 cannot get pinned in this match. They can yeah. lose they can lose by not getting pinned and still be okay. But if one of them gets pinned, it's I think it's a wrap. Yeah, but do you know how big it would be if Heavy Machinery won this match? Well, if Heavy Machinery wins, as long as they don't pin the New Day, <laughs> all would be good. We should make this prediction. We don't care as long as the New Day doesn't get pinned. Yeah, basically. <laughs> as long as they don't pin the New Day, you know, because that would be just career homicide. They're just killing them, killing yeah. their career. Um, The next match is for the Raw Tag Team titles, and that's the the revival versus the Usos. This match has the has the. I'm not giving my prediction yet, but I, but I'm gonna let you get your prediction off first. But this match could possibly be match of the night. No, oh, I didn't expect you to say that. It, I I really do. I think you know they put WWE has put so much more emphasis on on tag team wrestling and. I think they're feeling a little more confident now that um, that uh, God, they, 
the name just the revival. I'm sorry, the, yeah. their name slipped my mind for a second. But I think WWE is a little more comfortable now that the revival have resigned, and so I, I really think that this, this is going to give a huge boost to this match. Both teams are very technically sound. Right. Um, uh, the revival, they're you know they're more ground based, while the Usos are high flyers but hard hitters too. I think this match is just gonna tear the house down. But who do you who do you have? I have revival retaining. Like so far, I got everybody retaining their titles, <laughs> but uh, I got revival retaining only for the fact to help them get over more. I mean, they're they're running with Shane McMahon now and Drew McIntyre. And they have and, and they having that whole um, stable starting to work. So I think they're gonna bring more titles to that stable that I think they're about to create. So I, I got re- the revival winning. Plus the Usos, they've won a title so many times. I think this is a good way to put the revival over by having them beat the Usos, who are like they're gonna be etched in stone as one of the greatest tag teams, you know. So for the revival to get that run, to get that push, I think it'll be good for their career. I I 100% agree with you. I think the revival retains uh, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. Uh, you know the the revival really needs to get over on this match. I think for them to lose the titles in this match would be a huge travesty, not just to the tag team division, but to the revival themselves. So, and you don't want to make them, you know, you don't want to make them any more disgruntled than they were. So I think you, you definitely keep the titles on the revival. The Usos, they're going to win probably two or three more championships, if right. not more, when their contract is up anyway. So, and they're already strong, you know. Right, so right. I the revival uh, retaining. Okay, okay, okay. Next match is your theory match. And that's Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Here we go. <laughs> Do you want you want me to go or you want to start? Yeah, off? take 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 the reins, man. Take the reins. All right. So Bailey in a in a handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship against Nikki Cross and uh, Alexa Bliss. I'll tell you what, man. This could be the night that the boss returns. Did is everything? Everything just seems right from her taking a week to train in Japan to to get the ring rust off. I obviously, if 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 Sasha Banks comes back tonight, obviously you're not going to see her wrestle. You know she's had so much time off. You know she's got to get that ring rust back. It's going to take a while, but I truly believe we'll see Sasha in Bailey's corner tonight. And not only that, I see Bailey winning this match and Sasha turning on her no. to set up an epic match with them at SummerSlam. Nice, 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 nice. That was a good theory. Um, I, I, I just see it in my head, man. That's what, that's what I see. <laughs> well, what I see in my head is, you know, it's a two-on-one handicap match. And I see Nikki Cross turning on Alexa Bliss, being tired of being her errand girl, her her yes man, basically, and turn on Alexa Bliss, causing her to lose, and Bailey getting the pinfall over Alexa Bliss. That's kind of how I see it. Like they might do something where Alexa Bliss gives 
I mean, uh, Nikki Cross gives Alexa Bliss a move, then walks out of the ring and barely covers her for the win. Mm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because she's tired of Alexa Bliss. Hell, I'm tired of Alexa Bliss, but that's <laughs> we're not talking about me here. Right. Now, here's the thing that confuses me about this match. This match is for this match is for the SmackDown Women's Championship, but it's a handicap match. So yeah. am I under the impression that whoever pins Bailey becomes the SmackDown Women's Championship? I think it's gonna be uh the way Nikki Cross said it would be um a co-champion or something like that. Like both of them would be the champion. And if they do do that, I see Alexa Bliss hogging all the spotlight and Nikki Cross getting mad and then it set up a match between those two. Maybe something like that. I could see that too. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Because, because I think it will put more it will put more uh put more wood on the fire if she lo- if Bailey loses this match and Sasha still turns on her. Like, do you know, like, the uh, the animosity that Bailey is going to feel towards Sasha that I brought you back to have my back, you didn't have my back, and then you beat me up at the end of the match? Oh, it's going down at SummerSlam. I'm coming for you, right. Sasha Bailey. And that will just add more fuel to the fire for, like, how big that match will be. But I, defi- but I definitely see where you're going because Nikki Cross versus Alexa Bliss – and the storyline that's behind that, I think, would be big, especially for Nikki Cross, considering how she's been booked lately. Right, right. And I like Nikki Cross. I like what she's doing, you know. But I, I see her making a face turn real soon. Real, real soon. Now, <clears throat> to the next match that, as I said earlier, they killed this angle already, so I don't know what we got to look forward to, but it's Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a last-man-standing match. My prediction, real quick before you do yours, and I just thought about this while I was sitting here. Since Bobby Lashley returned on Monday following the whole crashing through the stage thing, I got Braun Strowman beating him only to show, okay, since he wants to return, let me beat him up again so that way he can't get up and try to return, you know? Because apparently crash through the stage didn't work, so let me do something, crash through something else so now he can stay down and won't return back. That's just how I see it. I can see that. I can yeah. definitely. I have Braun Strowman winning also. Uh, I, I, You know, I, I've watch videos, I've done research. It's pretty clear, in my personal opinion, that Paula Heyman is very high on Braun Strowman and wants to make him the monster, you know, the monster among men again. And so I truly believe that Braun Strowman wins this match, and not only does Braun win, but Bobby Lashley is leaving in an ambulance because I think that's gotten... I think the whole I'm going to put you in the morgue statement by Bobby Lashley is probably didn't go so well with Braun. So I think Braun is definitely going to go out there and, you know, make make uh, Bobby Lashley an example, make an example out of him to put the, you know, put the locker room on notice that, hey, just so you guys remember, I am the monster among men. Right. 
Right, right. Help put them over more. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and Bobby Lashley doesn't get hurt by the loss either. Yeah, no, no. I think it would be good for both guys, you know, heading yeah, forward. But, but the, like I said earlier, the angle is killed for me. <laughs> so yeah. probably the, the least the least the least exciting match of the night just because we've seen, you know, so much go on. Yeah, if we didn't see Bobby Lashley return, this match would have so much hype. Because like this is their both of their returns following crashing through the, the whole stage thing. But anyway, like I said, I'm not the booker. And this match is for the US title and it's Ricochet versus AJ Styles. I got AJ Styles winning this one. This is the first title. Let me see. I think it's the first title change I got. Yeah, this is the first title change that I, I picked only because he has Anderson and Gallows in his corner. Okay. I can see I can see that. I actually have Ricochet retaining. Okay. I think, I think it I think it's a huge disservice to him to him if he loses if he loses this tonight. I think going up against uh Gallows and Anderson separately, I think that showed I think that showed the strength and the resolve of Ricochet. And like you and like you said before, he's a he's a fighting champion. And I just don't see I don't see Ricochet losing this. And if he does, it's because Gallows and Anderson got involved. AJ yeah. Styles is primed for you know primed for a championship run. I think putting the U.S. championship on him, I in my opinion, devalues him a little bit. I honestly believe that he should be working towards the WWE Championship or even the Intercontinental Championship. I just see, I think, you know, Ricochet is just going to get it done. Well, it's going to be an interesting match, very intriguing match. Two high flyers, two guys who are technically sound in the ring. Like I said, I got much more respect for Ricochet now following, uh, was it Raw or SmackDown? It was Raw. Raw, Raw. yeah. Um, but I just got AJ Styles winning because I think Ricochet's not that well established yet that they want to that they should put a title on somebody who's well established like AJ Styles and have AJ Styles hold it until maybe SummerSlam and then have Ricochet beat him again. So now it's like, okay, Ricochet beat AJ Styles at SummerSlam to get his title back. He's a fighting champion. He's a thriving champion who wants to win, who wants to keep his title, who wants to beat the biggest names to be the champion. So that that would be a good angle. You know, that would be a good storyline. And Ricochet don't even have to talk anymore. Just keep wrestling in the ring. <laughs> I, I work on his mic skills. I, I, yeah. I, I, see why you, I see what you say about his personality. I, I think... He, I think he needs more promo work. Definitely, his wrestling speaks for itself. But just to uh, correct myself, a second ago I say he, AJ Styles, you know, should be trying for an Intercontinental Championship run, but he's on Raw, so his only options at this point is either the Universal Championship, which I think he should already be in that picture straight out the gate, considering his reign as WWE Champion, but. Since he's on Raw, his only real chances, his only real options are the U.S. and, and the Universal Championship. So, I still don't see him. Reti- I, I don't see him winning the match, but but I think 
like I said, the loss doesn't hurt him. You yeah. know, he easily he can easily jump from there and go into the Universal Championship picture and and even win it because I think Seth Rollins and AJ Styles would be one hell of a match. Flames, flames, fire. Okay, so our next matchup. Roman Reigns and The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in a no-holds-barred match. This one is up in the air for me. I want Roman Reigns and Undertaker to prevail, but Shane McMahon has so many people in his stable. He has uh, Elias, he has Revival, and it's no-holds-barred, so they can all get involved. You know, It'll make a good story showing that Roman Reigns Undertaker fought off basically with five or six men, but this is the McMahons we're talking about here, <laughs> you know. So I got Roman Reigns Undertaker winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Shane and Drew McIntyre got the W. Um, before I put in my prediction, who came up with the name Graveyard Dogs? Did you see that? No, and I'm glad I didn't. Okay, well, WWE, they put out a a um, T-shirt. They put out a T-shirt, you know, I guess, uh, you know, for Roman Reigns and Undertaker's tag team. And then the shirt, they're calling themselves the Graveyard Dogs. Uh, Okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. I just want to get that out of the way. Like, who came up with that name? <laughs> it wasn't Paul Heyman because I don't think Paul Heyman would come up with something that's stupid. But I digress. Like, name aside, I see Roman Reigns and I see uh, Roman Reigns and the Undertaker winning this match. Uh, I think the Undertaker is going to take a pounding from Drew McIntyre, and I think just the Booker in me. I think this sets up The Undertaker and McIntyre at SummerSlam. Oh. That uh, would be good to help put McIntyre well, over. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Even if McIntyre doesn't win the match. Yeah. Okay, like that was so put over McIntyre. More than I feel like he already is. Because I think a lot of people, you know, have seen the improvement in him, you know, from his wrestling to his mic work. I, I think hot take – Drew McIntyre is probably one of the best on, on, you know, the best wrestlers on the mic in WWE right now. He's so, you know, he's so good. He's straight to the point. You know, you never see him flustered. He doesn't mix words up. I think that that will be, that will be a great match. And I think that's what WWE should be booking to put McIntyre over. But as far as this match, but as far as this match goes, how, how do you even go against the Undertaker and Roman Reigns? Like, who who goes who goes over on them? Who pins those guys? You know, so right. I see them winning this match. And I, if anything, Roman Reigns would get pinned, but and I see Shane McMahon probably doing it because he's a glory hound and wants to hog all the spotlight. But yeah, that, yeah, if if that was to happen, it'll probably happen like that. Um, next match, we only got two left. This is a big card. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. Got a lot of matches. Um, we got Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe for the WWE title. I, I got Kofi winning this one only because they haven't been giving Joe enough push for anything, really. It feels like, 
Like I remember he had his angle with uh Brock Lesnar. I was like, oh yeah, he get, he about to take on Brock Lesnar, yada yada yada, and Brock Lesnar squashed him in like ten minutes. Well, not necessarily squashed him, but he beat him clean. I like y'all. Y'all just killed Samoa Joe by doing that and having him lose clean. Like uh so that <clears throat> that's how I see it. They may do something like that again, have Samoa Joe lose clean, but once again, I'm not the booker. I'm gonna get a T-shirt made that says "Once again, I'm not a booker." So, yeah, we can put that on our pro wrestling tees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a hat that goes, but what do I know? You know. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love yeah. it. Oh, we're gonna make those. Hey, yeah, guys, but... the show just know that is about to be in the works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've been saying that after like every match. But hey, I'm not the booker, and what do I know? So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way to promote our stuff. Get the merchandise game going. Yeah, yeah, get this thing rolling. Uh, Who for, you got in this match? For me, I think Samoa Joe's winning tonight. Oh, okay. Um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, nobody wants to see a disgruntled Joe, Samoa Joe. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think anybody wants to see that. <laughs> Uh, secondly, Kofi has Kofi has been nursing a back injury and hasn't been on TV for the past week. He's been resting up that back, trying to uh, you know, trying to be a hundred percent for the show. I think Joe focuses on that, and you know, just I think he's going to choke out Kofi. Uh, Samoa Joe's going to win, but Kofi's not going to give up. I, if, right. he, if Joe puts the coquina clutch on him, Kofi's going to sleep. Kofi would rather go to sleep than tap then, out. Then tap out. That would be a great storyline. Yeah, I, I really see. I really see that happening because that I, I, it doesn't diminish, it doesn't diminish Kofi. It doesn't diminish exactly. It, it shows him, you know, it shows him as somebody who doesn't give up, who fights to the very end, and it puts the title on Joe, which I think it, it is more than well deserved. Joe has been when he's booked correctly. Joe is the most consistent person in WWE as far as both ring work and mic and mic work. Don't forget Kevin Owens. But yeah, when I, I'm saying, though. okay, look, I'll tell you what, real quick. Top top three top top three wrestling talkers right now. Number one, Samoa Joe. Number right. two, Kevin Owens. Number three, McIntyre. Those are my top me, three right now. Uh, yeah, my for top you, yeah. Three, Joe Kevin Owens and the Miz. You cannot discount the Miz. He is great on the mic. Yeah, he is great. I, I remember the Miz when he was on Real World. I used to make fun of. I used to make fun of his nags. I'm like, dude, you walk around calling yourself the Miz. Like, what yeah. is? That? And then, like years later, he's he, he's one of the most. I mean, he means it when he says it, and I believe him when he says it. He is literally one of the most must-see, uh, must-see stars in WWE, hands down. I, I used to make a joke about it when he said it. I actually believe it now. But at, like I said, as far as this match goes, I truly believe that Joe is going to leave WWE champion tonight. Okay, okay, okay. I ain't going to argue with you on that one. Um, but going to the next match. Oh, 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 sorry, got a little sleepy. It's hey, Rollins man. and Lynch versus Corbin and Evans. Uh, 
I got so sleepy all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, my eyes are so heavy. I can't even keep them open. Uh, hey, guys, he's not kidding either. <laughs> he's no, not kidding. no, I need some coffee. Um, I got Rollins and Lynch, I guess. I don't really care less <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's literally your whole take? That's it. That's basically it. <laughs> That's all, like, That's, That's all I got. Well, I'll tell you what. For me, if we're gonna if we're gonna call this match, we have to call it right. So this is the no holds barred. Uh, the, the no, I'm sorry. This is the intergender tag team winner take all extreme rules match for the Universal and Raw Women's Championship. A match in which if McIntyre, not McIntyre, what the world. Uh, Corbin, if Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans lose this match, they will never get another title shot while those two are champions. Oh, boo hoo! Before we even get into all that, what is with the the goddamn stipulations on this match? First of all, how are they going to fit all of these stipulations in one graphic? I <laughs> told you, I, I, I fell asleep on it. I, you know, I'm not. I don't, I, Come on, keep it simple, stupid. I mean, come on. Like, all this is so not necessary, especially for this type of match. I mean, and I feel like they did all of the, they put all of these stipulations on it to literally try to make it as interesting, to keep, to get fans as interested as they possibly can. And even with all that, I still feel like they failed. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, like, they did. I'm not all that invested in this match. Like, I can literally watch everything up until this match, and if I fall asleep on this match, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah, I'm not wanting it back. Like, no, I'm not. Like, I, will go, I will real quick go to what culture's up, ups and downs and, <laughs> and figure out who won that match. Shout out to Simon Miller, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm just not, I'm not in this match. Yeah, I really don't I don't care. I don't. <laughs> if yeah. win, great. Like, the only thing that will make this match truly epic is if Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans win this match and Brock comes in and cashes in and takes out Baron Corbin. And if that happens, uh, A plus show. A plus show. As long as the other matches are good. Yeah. That will do it for me. But if this match happens and you know, either one wins, and that's the end of the pay per view. What did I sit through this last match for? I'm just exactly. I'm interested. <laughs> I would have been more. I would have been more interested if they if they had put if they had made the main event um, Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans. You know, in in an extreme rules match. By the way, this is an extreme rules match. I don't know if I said that. There's one more stipulation. I don't know if I said that or not. But this is also an extreme rules. Match. It don't matter. Uh, um, Brock, please. Brock, please. Ca- don't cash in on... Co- Actually, if Joe wins, you can cash in on Joe Olden too, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, Brock, please cash in on Baron Corbin and get the Universal Championship. I promise I will not complain like I did the last time you were Universal Champion. <laughs> I promise I won't complain, man. But... <laughs> The ending of this match interesting and cash in. Yes, please. Something has to happen. Something. Or what I wouldn't even mind this happening. 
Somehow or another, the referee gets knocked out. They have to bring a second referee in. And all four are in the ring. Nobody knows who's the legal man anymore. Seth Rollins has got a pin move or is pinning Brand Corbin while Lacey Evans is pinning Becky Lynch. And both referees are slapping a hand to pin the opposing person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love I love that. I love that booking. Cause so like, what the okay, so what happens now? <laughs> yeah, so like so Seth Rollins retains, but Becky Lynch is Lynch loses. Or vice versa. Becky Lynch can retain and Seth Rollins loses. But I think they should be do the whole double referee uh angle where, you know, one pins this one and one pins the other one. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting concept. I would actually I would actually be pleasantly surprised if I actually saw that finish. Yeah, but I, don't, yeah. I just I don't want Paul Heyman BSing me. I want Brock Lesnar to cash into me. Right, <laughs> right. I just want to see Brock cash in. Okay, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, quick bathroom break, quick water break. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. When we come back, since this is the month of July and you celebrate the 4th of July, you know, Independence Day, the American flag, all that good stuff, the patriotism stuff, me and Eric has come up with our top 10 U.S. champions of all time. And we're going to break it down to you when we come back from 10 to 1. So stay tuned. Like I said, get some water, go use the bathroom, get some coffee, Text whoever you got to text back, answer your emails, all that good stuff. And when we come back, we'll give you that list. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Fans, friends, and family, you are turned into the Hot Tap Podcast with your two esteemed hosts, Shabo and Eric Billups. And as promised as before, we are bringing you guys our top 10 U.S. champions. Oh, hey, Shane, quick question. What's up? Themed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right now. Exactly oh, 12 crap. seconds ago. I'm a steam, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry. I had to. I had to ask that. No, I was like, good. a steam. No, like, have you guys met me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I was just bringing some more light to your name, some more prestige to your name to help you know boost up our characters. You know, so the people that know who we are, they'd be more familiar with us. That is going to come so in handy the first time a wrestler cusses me out on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna run with it, and we will run yeah. with it. I'm gonna tell him real quick. Hey, I'm a. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm esteemed. Who are you? The champion. Exactly. <laughs> champion of what? <laughs> hey man, look at this car belt belt <laughs> that yeah. I made. I'm... <laughs> My son helped me draw this. Boom. Now talk about him if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, from me and my esteemed colleague. Eric Billups, we bring you our top 10 U.S. champions of all time from every promotion, NWA, WCW, WWE. Um, we're going 10th to 1, and we're going to 
alternate turns. You go number 10 and I do 10. He do nine, I do nine, blah, blah, blah. You, you get the gist of it. And then before we get to number one, we got our honorable mentions. At least I have one that I just came up with during our break. So <laughs> without further ado, let's get things started. Eric, since you're the mastermind behind the design, I will let you start with your number 10 first. Who do you got? All righty. Now, before let's put, let's put out a quick disclaimer. Um, Shay, my esteemed host, Woo! is much more technical than I am. <laughs> and so he, he has all facets of the U.S. Championship. We're talking WWE. We're talking NWA. We're talking WWE. We're talking WCW. Me... I'm supposed to be the esteemed one, but I literally just did WWE, guys. So I'm sorry if you if I left out somebody, let me know. You know, I might take it into consideration and change my list, but I've done it about two or three times already. So I'm not really going to go that far. But if you guys think I missed something, go ahead and let us know. My number 10 is JBL. Nice. JBL. Got to start with him. Got to start with him first. Um you know, and I say JBL because he's at 10 because he didn't, one, he didn't have that many United States Championship reigns, but his character, his gimmick matched it to a T. You believed him. You know, when, when he came out, when he came out of the limo with the, with the bull's horn sitting on top and he came out and he had that U.S. Championship on his shoulder, it's like, now that's America. <laughs> Marka. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And that's a good number 10. I also got him on my list also, but not at number 10. It was for the same reasons you just, just mentioned. But my number 10, and I'm going back now. Some of y'all probably weren't even born yet, you know. But Lex Luger is my number you took 10. Back. Le- um and I'm going back to when he – was matter of fact, this is his second title reign. He originally had his first title reign back in 1988 when it was still NWA before they sold to uh, Ted Turner. After they right. sold to Ted Turner, he had um, – he lost the title, but he regained it back in a match he had with Barry Windham at the Chi-Town Rumble in 1989. This match wow. was – this match went 10 minutes long, and the reason I'm saying that, because in the late 80s, Lex Luger was known for not being that great of a worker. So, Barry Windham had basically uh, called that match. It was a phenomenal match. If you have WWE Network, go back and look at this match. It had everything you wanted, emotion, the technical moves, great in-ring psychology. Lex Luger listened well during this match, and that's how he got his second title reign. Lex Luger, chiseled body, blonde hair, blue eyes, signified America. Uh, excuse me, America, you know. <laughs> and I remember when he got to WWE, they had made him like this American, uh, what was the gimmick he had in WWE in like the mid-90s? He was like the American something, American prototype. He was the American hero, and he rode around in the Lex Express. The, yes, it was. Thank you, my esteemed colleague. So he just signified like a, a, a great American, one that's you know wealthy. He's in shape. He has a he had a great look for the '80s before the steroids kicked in. He because he didn't have all the wrinkles. 
but he had a great look and he had that long blonde hair and like I said, the blue eyes and all that stuff. And he was cut to shreds. He was like one of the first ones to actually have definition. Like you always had big guys, but he had definition. And when he had the U.S. title, it was just like it fits. You know, he's like an all-American boy. You know what I mean? The all-American football player, the all-American wrestler. And I just thought him being the U.S. champion fit him. And also, for his third title reign, he beat Stan Hansen at Starcade 1990 in a brutal, brutal leather strap match. For those who don't know, Stan Hansen, good gracious. That 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 was that guy was hardcore. And for Lex Luger to get the win over that and to actually make it through the match alive to win his third US title really spoke to his character of wanting people, you know, old school wrestlers saying uh Lex Luger didn't care about this business, but he cared enough to actually give it his all in these matches to win those titles. So my number ten, Lex Luger. I love that. I love that pick. As soon as you said Lex Luger, I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, you can't. I don't have Lex Luger in mind, but there's no denying for a while he he made he made the NWA United States Championship for sure. Yeah. So uh, on to me, number nine, number nine, Mr. Bobby Lashley. Okay. And, of course, we're talking his first run in WWE. He, he he was champion two times, two times, which was and all of them were, I believe, what in his first year, within his first year, in the company, he was already United States champion, and carried that with pride all the way up to the point where he was in EC, where uh, he lost the title, and then he went to ECW, but. On when he was United States champion, he went on a tear. He held the title for forty-seven weeks, almost a year. Nice. And he took down he took down the likes of Carlito. Uh, he had a match. Who I believe I got to look at my notes again. He faced. He beat MVP. He beat it. Uh, he beat Chris Benoit. I mean, that man was on the tear, and it looked like nobody could take that title off of him. Which somebody finally did, but that person's on the list, and I will. And he's farther down on my list, so I'll explain to him later. <laughs> but yeah, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley at number nine, one of the, one of the best WWE United States shit. No arguments there. He's not on my list, but that's a good pick. He, I, when I had made the full list, he was up there, but he didn't make the cut. If that makes sense, uh, uh, makes perfect sense. He's only he's only number nine on mine, so I yeah. completely get that. My number nine, I might get some heat from this, but I think this guy served better as a world champion and U.S. champion. But I put him on this list because I like him so much. And once again, I'm going back in time. Some of y'all might not have been born yet, but it's a man called Sting that used to wrestle, Woo! and Sting oh. had that bleach blonde hair. Had the face paint, and he used to woo the crowd. He wasn't as chiseled as Lex Luger, but he had a big. He he was built, you know what I mean. He was bulky, you know, and he won the title at a house show. So I, I couldn't find it on the network. I couldn't find it on YouTube, but he won at a house show. And Eric, ask me who he beat at that house show to win the U.S. title. Who did he beat? Uh, My Ma- name, Colleen. 
a young man by the name of Stunning Steve Austin. Wow. In, 19, wow. in 1991, he beat Steve Austin at a house show to win the U.S. title. Those are two Hall of Fame names right there. <laughs> I mean, after that, like, what, that's his stat alone. Yeah, just <laughs> that alone. Opinion, just like, that's why it's just championship. Yeah, Stunning Steve Austin was sorely underrated in uh in the WCW. Right, right. Oh my god, terribly underrated. They didn't use him the right way. But getting from that Sting is my number 9 Sting California All-American boy once again. Great look, strong baby face. And the reason I say strong baby face cuz you have your baby faces who, you know, they be like, "Hi everybody, I'm doing this for you guys." Blah blah blah. Sting was a strong baby face where he didn't have to say anything. Later on in WCW, he went a year without saying anything and he got over. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Not a word. Not one word. He just used a bat to speak for him. And he got over. So he didn't have to say much. But this is a 1991 Sting. Very flamboyant. Very colorful. And for him to be a U.S. champion... And plus, let's put it out there. The U.S. champion is a stepping stone towards the world title. You know what I mean? It's like the workhorse title yes. to get you to the main title. And I think Sting was the perfect workhorse in 1991 to get him escalated to the main title. Now, Grant, yeah. he did win the main title in 1990, but, you know, it was he wasn't well established yet. I think him winning the U.S. title helped establish him more and so he can get that that title run, that main title run. So my number nine is Sting. Yeah, and real quick, uh, him losing that, uh, him losing the U.S. title was what set up that epic championship match between him and Ric Flair. Yes, which, which I still regard today as top ten greatest matches of all time. Right, right, right. But that's another list for another podcast or another day. Yeah. <laughs> So, on to number eight. Mine uh, might be a little bit controversial, you know, I but it. I think some, some – so I do too. But years have passed. He doesn't – his name doesn't get mentioned for certain reasons, but I ain't WWE, so I can say whatever. Number eight was the crippler, Chris Benoit. Mm. Okay. Now – now, look, everything aside, everything aside, we know the history. We know the incident. Yeah. Let's put all that aside for a second. Yeah. Chris Benoit, when he came into the WWE, already came in with a chip on his shoulder because he didn't think WWE would, one, push him, and number two, keep him, you know, keep him long enough. They, were, they wanted him, but, they weren't, but he wasn't really sure how he was going to be used. And it was his hard work and his work ethic and his, and his work in the ring that pushed him towards the U S championship. And even when he kept it, he, now he only kept it. He only kept it for seven months. He only kept it for seven months, which is still a long time for anybody to hold a title, especially now considering how often titles flip flop, but he had some epic, epic matches. He had two matches in particular with Booker T. 
He had two matches. He had two United States Championship matches with Booker T that literally tore the house down. Go on the WWE Network. Um, which which one was it? Oh, I don't have it. I don't have it. But uh, well, actually, you're not going to find it anywhere because WWE doesn't put up any matches of Chris Benoit anymore. But he definitely, he definitely carried the tie, carried the championship with pride and with class, and he was a fighting champion in just the amount of matches that he had. Like, I literally had to go do, like, deep dives to even, you know, even find his championship rings because of, you know, the double, uh, the double homicide, the, the double homicide and suicide. It pretty much has erased everything Chris Benoit, you know, everything Chris Benoit. So I really had to do some work, but I really felt like looking back at everything, he deserves to be on the list of greatest U.S. champions. Right, right. And if I can correct you for a second, they do have Chris Benoit matches on the WWE Network. They just don't have his name up there. So if you ah oh, okay, so if you okay. go to thank a, you for correcting me. Yeah, so if you go to like a pay per view that he was on. Like say he faced Eddie Guerrero or something. They'll say Eddie Guerrero defends the U.S. title, but they won't put who he defended it against. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Just, yeah, you have to actually click on it, and then you'll see who he defended it against. But, yeah, Chris Benoit, I wanted to put him on my list so bad. But I'm going to save that for another show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's we, we can do we can do that deep dive another time. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can, that's another that's, show for another time. There's too many conspiracy theories behind that anyway to even really <laughs> go yeah. into it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ain't want to. I ain't want to jump in that. All right, so my turn now. My number eight is a friend of Chris Benoit's. Great technical wrestler. Great champion. His mic skills wasn't that great, but they didn't need to be because of who he was, and that was the shooter, the Iceman, Dean Malenko. Mm, I'm so mad that I did not have him on my list. (laughs) Oh, God. Dean Malenko, once again, going back in time. He, um, Eddie Guerrero was the U.S. champion. Eddie Guerrero defended the title against Dean Malenko at Uncensored in 1997. I don't even have to tell you how great of a match Guerrero and Malenko is. The name itself, like, if you don't know about those two, you're not a real wrestling fan. So if, if, if you don't know, do your homework. Keep up with us. But Malenko beat Eddie Guerrero for the U.S. title at Uncensored 1997. This is a WCW pay-per-view, might, might I add. Notice my first three guys are WCW guys. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just not noticing that. So, okay. Uh, he went on a three month title reign from March 97 to June of 97. Within that time frame, he faced people from the lights of Conan, who was a great, uh, a great legendary wrestler from Mexico, great in ring technician. He faced a young Lionheart Chris Jericho, and he faced Hector Guerrero, who is Eddie Guerrero's. Brother, I think, yeah, brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brother. And if you just say the name Guerrero, you know all those guys can go. And so the fact that Malenko had faced these guys for the U.S. title, it was just like, it. like I had said earlier, the U.S. title is that fighting championship. You know, you got 
Hogan being a world champion, and he does all his poses and stuff. Then you got the U.S. title with guys who are the workhorses. Dean Malenko was a workhorse. And he didn't have to say a word because of who he was and how he was personified as the Iceman, as the shooter. Why would you want him to talk? You're like, that's the Iceman right there. Oh, he ain't got to say a word. The name itself speaks for itself. And when he got into that ring and, you showed his, and he showed his technical skills and his in-ring abilities, he didn't do all that high flying. He wrestled you. For, for all the kids nowadays, before they were called superstars, they were called wrestlers. Before they were called in-ring entertainers, they were called wrestlers. And that's exactly what Dean Malenko was. He was a wrestler, a catcher's. What, what's the phrase? A catcher's can style wrestler? Is that the phrase? Catcher's can. Yeah, a catcher's I can. Think so. A grappler, a technician, a submissionist, a man of a thousand moves. Dean Malenko, my number eight. I love that because if, if you didn't call him the, the man of a thousand holds, I was going to. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Iceman did not. The Iceman did not play. Yeah, no, not at all. That was, that's such a great thing. Never smile. Such a great all business. Oh man, I don't even know how I could top that one. Uh, number seven for me, Mister Monte Montez Vontavious Porter, Mister P I M M V P. Sorry. Yes. VIP VIP is my persona. I'll tell you about that one. Yeah. <laughs> MVP, that's a good pick. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really sure if I was gonna put him on the list until I saw how many US title reigns he had. How many MVP, have? MVP had four had four US title reigns. Oh my gracious. Did not know that. And, in the short time, yeah, because you remember MVP was only was only in for about maybe four years. Three yeah. or four years. And so for me, that did it for me because I, I when I looked it up, I was like, I don't really understand like why I would put him on the list. But then once I, I had to go on Wikipedia and I had to look it up. Four title reigns as that as as a uh US champion and you don't put a world uh, a world title on him, I thought was absolutely crazy to me because I thought he was very underrated, uh, a very underrated as well. He was a really great worker and was willing to do and was willing to put anybody over at that time. Right. You know, because when he came when he came in, there was a lot of pop. You know, if you remember, there was a lot of pop behind him when he came out. Uh, when he first uh, when he first got to WWF. So for me, See those championships, and then seeing he had a match with Rey Mysterio with, with Rey Mysterio, at, I believe it was Capital Punishment. Okay, twenty eleven. That twenty eleven. Yes. Oh, uh, that match went on. I had to put down the time. They went for twenty one minutes. Mm. Which which is unheard, which is like unheard of in WWE days today, unless you're on the main event. And number one, this is Rey Mysterio we're talking about. He yeah. retained he retained that title against Rey Mysterio after 21 minutes. And that's not a testament to somebody to somebody's work rate being able to hang with somebody the likes of Rey Mysterio for t- for even 20 minutes. Never mind 10, 20 minutes. Hanging with Rey Mysterio, 
I, I mean, to me, that was his that was his greatest U.S. his U.S. title match because any anything else to me just didn't measure up. That's yeah, a good so. one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, MVP made me laugh with his outfits at first until I actually sat down and looked at his work. It was uh, actually when he had worked with um, he had did some work with Chris Benoit for a little bit, and that's why I was like, okay, all right. You know, Chris Benoit brings out the best out of anybody. And I, just, yeah. and I was like, and in fact, that MVP was able to keep up with him. I was like, okay, I can look past the goofy outfits and the whole. Then he come out with a big clock or something like that, or something, something crazy. No, no, it sounded like it, his um his entrance started with like a clock ticking, but he had this like uh, it was like this little tunnel. It was like yeah. this inflatable tunnel. You know that he came out of. I never got that part. <laughs> yeah, some some phony gimmick, and I just couldn't get past that until I saw his work, and I was like, okay, if you get past all the silliness, he can work. So MVP, that's yeah. a good one. Um, my number seven. It's funny because we're gonna stay on that same pay per view, Capital Punishment, twenty eleven, and the oh, wow. kick, and the kickoff match was my number seven guy, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I knew it was coming. I gotta put the Zig man up there. This is when he still had the short hair. I think he had, he hasn't grown it to the how it is now. And he had um, Vicky Guerrero in his corner, and he had faced Kofi Kingston uh, at this pay per view when he was still Mister SOS. Yes, yes, when SOS. He, when he still had the Jamaican accent. Yeah, the boom, 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 boom all that boom. stuff. But. Once again, we talked about this um, in our past podcast because Ziggler and Kingston both fought each other for the WWE title. But this was the U.S. title. And like I was saying before, it's that stepping stone to get you to that heavyweight title. And these two did not disappoint. They went 13 minutes of nonstop movement. Nonstop movement. They had their rest holds here and there, but you only knew because they were doing so, so much movement, you know? And Dolph Ziggler's my guy. He can go. He barely takes a deep breath. Kofi Kingston, he can go. He can. He barely takes a deep breath. Dolph Ziggler, great U.S. champion. Almost remind me of Lex Luger. Chiseled, blonde hair, blue eye, all-American boy, all-American wrestler. Uh, they he went to Kent State or Penn State or something like that. He was like 130 wins and no losses and. Just a great all-American person. So for him to be the U.S. title actually spoke to his character of being that 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 once again all-American athlete. So my number seven, Dolph Ziggler. That was a great pick. I have to ask, uh, who won that match between Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston, and Dolph Ziggler? Dolph Ziggler. The people who I'm picking, and when I'm telling you about their pay-per-views, they won it at those pay-per-views. Got you. Okay, because yeah. I was gonna say if he lost them, if he lost that match, well then I could really understand why he kept coming out every week saying it should have been me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess to clear that up, everybody I'm picking and when I'm referencing the match that they were in, they won that match. So. Oh. Okay. Thank you. I'll just a little something to throw out to the people. Yeah, 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 yeah. But number six. So number six for me. Is your boy the Miz? Ah, awesome! Yes, you can't. You can't talk about the U.S. Championship 
unless you talk about the Miz because the Miz got the championship at a time where he was transitioning out of that crazy fedora with shorts look. Yeah, I didn't into, like that. Into, I think the championship moved him into Mr. Musty. Right. You know, and that, and that championship reign to be Oh, I, I, I don't know how to put it into words. Just because, like, I, I've seen the Miz from his infancy to how he is now, and I've always had a love hate relationship with the Miz, especially like in the beginning, like because that fedora with shorts thing. Like, even now I look at him like you're like a white Joe Button <laughs> right now. <laughs> 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 Now, like I had to look back, you know, I went back on the WWE Network and looked at it, and I'm just like, you're literally like Joe Button in 2011. That's funny. And I hope, hope Joe Button doesn't kill me for that, but <laughs> but that's just what came to mind. But The Miz, he has the what? Number three. He has the number three, the number three longest reigning U.S. championship. Didn't I know that? You didn't know that? I tried to do a deep dive as much as I could. Like, I feel like I am so underprepared for this <laughs> as compared to you. No, let's just let the people know how much homework goes into this. When you're working full time, it is really difficult to do the homework on these things. You know, like, it really takes a lot out of you to look for these matches, look which one you like the most take notes on it, and present it. So this is a lot of work me and Eric put into these top tens. So just putting it out there. Yeah, the, and, and I mean, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure they know that because when our fans, when they have discussions with their friends about, you know, saying who was the greatest champion of all time, they probably heard it, you know, turns into a huge argument. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. It's, because it's hard to not let down. So, like, this did take a lot of work, but when it comes to the Miz, like, I had to put him, and I had to put him high on that list because of the fact you have the third longest U.S. championship reign. I mean, you, you've got to be, you've got to be high on the list of champions. Uh, well, of course, you know, like I said, my list is just WWE, but even with the progression, you know, even with the progression of the Miz going from the United States Championship to winning his US to his Intercontinental Championship to winning the WWE Championship against John Cena at WrestleMania, that U.S. Championship, I feel, is what turned the Miz into the Miz that you see now. Okay. And okay. it got him out of that ridiculous fedora-looking thing. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. But that's my number six pick. All right, so for my number six, people might not know this, but I studied history in college. And throughout history, we've had, um, all right, I'm about to make a heel turn. Yeah. So his, America has a dark history to it. You know, I, I, I understand the patriotism, but you got to understand how we got to this point. And the way we got to this point by having politicians and other big business moguls that would lie, that would cheat, and that would steal. So the wrestler, I think, personified U.S. the most is a man who would lie, he would cheat, and he would steal. 
and it's the late great Eddie Guerrero. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, it it was in two thousand three. The U.S. title was vacant, so they had to have a tournament, and it came down to Eddie Guerrero. And ask me who the other person was, Eric. Oh, who was the other person? Chris Benoit. There you go. And it was the opening match at Vengeance of 2003, and they went 20 minutes. Once again, if you don't know what Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit can do in the ring, you need to do your homework. Don't listen any further until you go back and watch them. You can watch them in WCW or WWE, but you have to watch a Chris Benoit-Eddie Guerrero bout. And for them to go 20 minutes, you know, you know it was some stuff you probably never seen before and probably never see again because those two were in the prime of their careers during that time. Eddie Guerrero won it. He cheated his way to win it, become the U.S. champion, and I think he personified what USA consisted of, liars, cheaters, and people who would steal. If you want to start that argument on why I say that about America, you can. I give out my information at the end. I don't want to give it out now, my reasons why, but I'll give it to you privately, and we can have that debate. But Eddie Guerrero personified the characteristics of America, and that's why he's my number six. You said a heel turn, and you went full-on heat mode. I, I love no it. Heat. You got enough heat. Uh, I don't think they're going to come at me as hard anymore now. Because I, just, I took a shot at America. I'm sorry. That was, you know. And we can discuss 9-11 if you want to, but not on the podcast. Hey, you know what? Childish Gambino also went at America, and they still love him. So, yeah. UBI. Yeah. Nobody worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. um, oh, man. I, I love that pick, man. That pick is, that pick is so great. And I, lo- and I just love the setup for it. Oh, <laughs> that made my day. And I didn't want to go deep yeah. into it because then it would take away from Eddie Guerrero being the champion. It would be focused more on All my beliefs. Right. So, that's why I said All after the show, I will leave my information. If you want to come and debate with me. Hey, I, I still got my notes from college, so we can do it. Yeah, and just uh, just on the record, guys, like we're we are not politically correct, not at all. But at the same time, we get like we're wrestling fans too, so it's like at certain points we try not to be too political when it comes to the show because we do realize you guys are coming here for wrestling. But once again, it is our show, and we control the narrative. So, Booyah. with that <laughs> with that being said. Uh, what did I say? Oh, well, my number five. So, and and this is not this is not an accident when I did when I did this, okay? But number five is the five time, Woo. five time, five time, five time, five time world heavyweight champion Booker T. Love it. I had to go with Booker T because. Booker T was on whenever Booker T has a title on him, he takes it to another level. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know if anybody ever notices that. Like the wrestling connoisseurs get know exactly what I'm talking about. And the only exception that I will say to this was that ghastly match at WrestleMania between him and Triple H, which is another subject for another day. We'll go there later. I just, I just threw up in my mouth but, when you said that. 
I do too. I tried to keep it down. Uh, I'm uh, surprised I was able to get it all out. Like I said, another day. Yeah. But his, but his, Booker T won the United States Championship three times. Three times, nice. which is a te- which which is a testament to if you notice a lot of wrestlers that came from WCW never really got the shine that I feel like they deserve. Booker T is one of those men. Yeah. Because I truly believe that it should not have taken Booker T as long as it did to become world champion again in WWE. In my opinion, he should have been straight in the in in the main event picture as soon as as soon as he got to WWE. But I digress. That doesn't take anything away from his three championship rings, adding to all the five-time championships that he had. And like I said, that's a testament to his to Booker T's work ethic. Booker T has something to prove when he went into the WWE, and he proved time and time again whether it was whether it was matches between Stone Cold Steve Austin or whether he was fighting uh, or whether he was wrestling a technician like Chris Benoit. Booker T could go at any time, at any day. But it was when he had those United States Championship reigns that Booker T was truly unstoppable. And that's why I put him on my list. You, you can't talk about U.S. Championships unless you, unless you got Booker T on the list. And that's just me. I, I love it. I got Booker T on my list also. Uh, and I'm going to give you my reasons when I get to his name. Now, my number five. Is a man. How do I want to introduce him? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Self high five himself. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. Let's go. DDP wore light blue jeans to the ring, raggly hair, earrings, tattoo, necklace, smoking a cigar. America. <laughs> America. In a nutshell. Huh? In a nutshell. Yeah, that's America right there. Um, I like his look of being the U.S. champion because of what I just said about him, but also his in-ring work of being this no-nonsense style. He learned from Jake the Snake, so he had that Drake, Jake the Snake psychology. Um. <clears throat> He had won the title against Kurt Henning at Starcade of 97, which I think is an underrated match because if you remember at that pay-per-view, it was um, Sting versus Hogan for the first time. So they had that Mm -hmm. So people didn't really look at this match too well. That match was a masterpiece in its own own way because, like I said, DDP had great psychology. Henning was a technical... Oh, my God. He was just so technical in the ring. It was uncanny. The timing that these two guys had was great. And the, the ability the, the ability that they both had of reading the crowd. I yeah. put DDP number five just because of how he represented himself. And at that time in 97, we was taking that turn in our society. Things was becoming a lot more edgier. And I think with that age, mm. DDP fit right into that with the cigar, the self high five, um, all that stuff. This is way before the yoga. <laughs> so, right. so just his look was just what was what America was starting to look like. You're starting to get away from 
how I said Lex Luger looked into a way of how DDP looked. Didn't have the greatest shape, but he had the charisma and he had the attitude. So my number five, DDP. I love that pick, and I'm not going to sit too long on it, but I just want to say that uh, if you remember, he had a uh, he had a valet by the name of Max Muscle that just recently passed away this past week. So uh, condolences to all uh, uh, to DDP and Max Muscle's family. Uh, I per- I personally. You know, I wasn't too big into Max Muscle, but he did get out of DDP. But he did he did stop uh, being DDP's valet and did wrestle for a little bit. So I I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't you know, if we didn't make that point. You know, of sending our condolences to DDP and Max Muscle's family because, like I said, he did just pass away this past week. Okay. Okay. All right. All righty. So, uh, back to the list. We are on number four. <laughs> number four. I don't like that On laugh. my list. <laughs> I'll tell you what, because it's not going to be a popular one. It's not going to be a popular opinion, but I don't care. Like, Mr. K.O. himself, Kevin Owens. Nice. Kevin Owens embraced being United States Championship, being United States Champion. And it you know, it was the little thing. You know, it was the little things. It was one it was because of the fact that he was from that he's from Canada and became U.S. Championship. Not that he was the first one, but the fact that he embraced it. You know, even with you know the KO, you know the KO shirt, you know with the American flag within, you know the K and the O in his shirt. You know the phenomenal matches that he had. That match. The uh oh goodness. I wanna say it was twenty sixteen. Monday Night Raw. He had a match against Sami Zayn. And he put the United States Championship on the line. And those two guys, you already know those guys can go. Yeah. But that particular match alone, I looked at that match and I said, top five. Greatest match, and it's very rare that I have, you know, a top ten match that was on, you know, a Raw or a SmackDown or anything like that. But that match got my attention because it showed the prowess of Kevin Owens, how bad he wanted to represent America, whether it's a heelish, even if it wasn't a heelish manner, you know. You, you you love to hate the fact that he was champion because he bragged about it so much. Right. You know, and, you know, just for him to be like, oh, I'm from Canada, but I'm the U.S. champion, which means you were all about to be like, just having that attitude, it, it made you love to hate him, and it fueled him even more to stay champion as long as he did. You know, and... Just his mic work, you know, disrespecting it. Like, disrespecting America while well, you're the United States champion is, like, just simply unheard of, you know? Right. Because every person that's had the championship, you know, carries it with a great deal, you know, with a great deal of pride. But he wanted to stay champion to spite Americans. And it's such a great area to work from as a heel. And like I said, for him to have that championship and then to embrace it, even in a heelish manner, as much as he did, it made it entertaining. It made it entertaining while he was championship, but you loved it even more when he finally did lose. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I had Kevin Owens on my list, but 
he didn't make the cut, <clears throat> you know. And you know I'm all about uh, Kevin yeah. Owens, but I just thought right. there were so many people ahead of him, especially in the past. If you notice, a lot of my people are from the past, like deep in the past. So right. Kevin Owens, that's a good one. I I, I like Kevin. <laughs> um, my number four was your number 10, JBL. Okay. Uh, I think he personified America with his look, um, his knowledge of Wall Street, which made him one of these big, you know, I guess you could call moguls, you could say, or yeah. whatever. But uh, it was a match he had against um, – how many times are we going to say Crispin Wall's name up here? This is going to be like the fourth I time. I don't know. That, but, just, I mean, how can – I mean, you can't erase the guy from history. WWE can try to, but there's no, but it's just a testament to what greater worker he was. Exactly. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that is exactly right. He had a match against Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 22, 2006. It was a year after Eddie's death, um, and these guys were in 10 minutes. And I still remember the angle built up for that, how JBL was saying he's a great technical wrestler. And he was saying how he was better than Eddie and how he's better than Chris. JBL knew how to get heat. He didn't care. Yeah. He knew how to get that old school heat. And I remember during that match, he would do a little shimmy like how Eddie Guerrero would do. And the crowd would just, just booze would just pour from the crowd. And I was like, JBL knows how to work. He knows how to get heat. He knows what a match needs. And I think he made a great U.S. champion. Um... And JBL could work. Like, he, he got some skills in the ring for a big fella. I know you appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That clothesline from hell. Yeah. <laughs> brutal, brutal, brutal. But JBL, and I think he don't get enough credit as he deserves because he's a legend. You know, he's, get, he's definitely a Hall of Famer, especially when he was with the APA. I think that's what really put him over. And then when he went solo, now I'm gonna be honest with you. When he went by himself, I didn't think he was gonna make it, but he made it work with great promos and great matches. So my hats off to him for that. One of my favorite U.S. champions, number four, JBL. Love it, love that pick. He probably would have been higher on mine if he wasn't such a bully backstage. It's a hot take for you guys. That's none of my but, business. Uh, that's none of my business. I'm, I'm just talking about in ring, on camera, what I like about him. So, uh, real quick, sorry, Blue Manny. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, you talk about me, man. You call on the Blue Manny after he got punched in the face. Uh, not that he deserved it, because he definitely didn't, but that, that just ties into my point that JBL's a bully. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Number three. The Bulgarian broke himself. Rusev. Okay. Now I can just I can tell by your stunt silence. It's a little surprising. He's number at number three. I would have put Lana but, before him, but okay. <laughs> oh damn! Good grief! She didn't even win the United States. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know what? But let me tell you why. He's that high on that list pretty much kind of for the same reasons that Kevin Owens was. You know, he talked about, you know, he talked about wanting to be, you know, a, the champion of the United States and how much, you know, how much he yearned to be that. And it, it kind of in a way, he did it in a heelish way too. 
But there's no mistake in the fact that once he became face, once he became a face and he became United States champion, Rusev was all about America. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like he had finally gotten the picture, you know, after he stopped being a heel. Like, he finally got the picture and he realized just how beautiful, you know, and how wonderful America can be. Right. If you catch my dress. Right. You know, and just the way, just the way he embraced America, like like I said, the same way that Kevin Owens was, and not only that, but he had a lengthy title reign himself. Yeah, he did. You know, it wasn't quite, it, it, you know, it wasn't quite a year, but he was darn near, you know, U.S. championship, U.S. champion for a whole year until somebody else beat him out. And that person is also on my list, so I'll get to him in a second, also. Okay. But I didn't know, but I didn't have too much. And, and to be honest, he didn't have too many. He, he didn't, I believe he was only US Championship what twice. He's only been a two time US champion, but the way he carried the championship, and and I can and when I when I made this list, I, I didn't just make it on you know how many times they were champion or anything like that. It was the impact that they made while they were United States champion. You know, and, and especially with a lot of heel guys, it kind of, you know, they when heel guys won the United States championship, it, it made you want to like well, so for certain fans, it kind of made you want to like America a little bit more because then it's like, okay, well, can we get an American who actually cares about America? to be the U.S. championship, because I'm kind of tired of this guy, ragged, you know, being U.S. champion and ragging on America. And it was that heel heat, like you were saying about JBL, that made, you know, that made his championship reign so good but so bad at the same time, you know, because from, from a wrestling perspective, you can respect the work that he put in while he was U.S. championship, but as a fan, you just wanted him to hurry up and lose as soon as possible. Right. <laughs> and so that's why so to quit so to put in you know just a quick little you know lesson about why these guys are the way they are a lot of these guys made a huge impact on not just the championship but at the com- but on the company at the time that they were champion too so if that gives you any little more insight about why these guys are the way they are on my list but like i said there's no denying rusev was a great u.s champion in my opinion Okay. Maybe for all the right and wrong reasons, but okay, okay, no arguments. That's my there. list. No arguments there, you know, to each his own. But my number three guy. Once again, I can't figure out how to introduce the greatness of this man. I'm just gonna go ahead and say his name. My number three. I mentioned him earlier before. Sting beat him, but it's stunning Steve Austin. Nice. For those who don't know, probably weren't born yet, Stunning Steve Austin is also Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just, just for those who didn't know. Stunning Steve Austin had long blonde hair, blue eyes. He was built. He was in great shape. He didn't, he, I don't think he drunk a 24-pack a day yet. Pack of beer, that is, a day yet. But he had a... Oh, my God. An awesome match against Dustin Rose, who is the son of Dusty, at Starcade 1993. And they went for a best two out of three falls. Now, at that time in WCW, it wasn't, how can I put this, um, financially stable. 
the houses didn't draw big, merchandise didn't draw big, and it was basically a mess. So, did the power grow out during this match? Of course it did. Of course they lost power. But did it stop them from working? Of course not. Did Austin still get color? Yes, he got color, which I loved at the right moment. And Austin ended up winning this match with two straight falls. But that match alone, and like I said before, like I said many times, that U.S. title was that stepping stone to the world title. I thought Stone Cold was on his way to the world. Oh, not excuse me, not Stone Cold. But I thought Steve Austin was on his way to the world title. But with the politics of WCW, he didn't make it past that mid-card level. He should have because his title run, his U.S. title run was something that makes legends, you know, that legends are made of. And that match he had with Dustin at Starcade really showed that, hey, he's ready to be a champion. And also, I can't remember if this was if he was the U.S. champion during this time, but he had a, a series of matches with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That was phenomenal. And I don't think he was champion at the time. Yeah, I don't think he was champion either. I think they just had those matches just to have them. But yeah. he, him and Steamboat would go at it, and it just showed that this, this guy doesn't need to be mid-card. He can work. He can go. He, he was very charismatic on the mic. So my number three – no, wait. You were number three? Yeah, my number three, yep. stunning Steve Austin. Love it. I love that. You know, also, while he was United States champion, I remember he had a program with Brian Pillman after right. the Hollywood Blondes program. Yes, he did. Those were some great matches, too. Yes, constant motion. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Oh, the, seeing those, I could go back and watch that again. I remember watching that, and it was just like, wow, I love wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, All right, so we're on number two, Almost the final there. two. Yep, we are almost there. Number two, the gentleman that we both have mentioned while we have compiled this list. And to me, the, the number one was an absolute lock for me when I first started this list. The first, actually, number one and number two were absolute locks for me. But Same my here. number two pick was Mr. Kofi Kingston. Okay. Yes, sir. Mr. 24-7. Mr. Gotcha, that's right, gotcha ass. And that's for all those that, that actually watch Up, Up, Down, Down. <laughs> Austin Creed's channel. That's what he calls it. That's what he calls himself on Up, Up, Down, Down. But uh, yeah, Kofi, <laughs> the very first championship that Kofi ever won was the United States Championship. And oh, God, I, did, I didn't write that. I didn't write that. I didn't write it in my notes, and I don't want to be wrong. But I am pretty sure that his very first title reign was – or his very first U.S. championship reign was over a year. Okay. And not only was his first championship uh, – uh, like, his first championship reign over a year long, but Kofi went on to win the United States championship four more times <laughs> after that. He is a five-time United States champion. And I don't. Uh, the last time that I checked, only one other person has more title reign, has more U.S. championships reigns than him, and he's my number one pick. But Kofi, Kofi was the person that you fought for ever since he ever since he had first came in. With, you know, with his high flying, you know, his high flying moves and his charisma, 
and his and his out of nowhere wins. I, I think Kofi may be the only person who has like more out of win out of nowhere wins than anybody else. You know, and see like seeing his championship reigns and seeing the people that he faced, you know, he faced like the uh his the match against Dolph Ziggler that you were talking about at uh Capital Punishment. Epic match. Truly epic match. Matches against Rey Mysterio tore the house down. I mean, there isn't anybody there, there isn't anybody who's a who's who in WWE right now that Kofi hadn't beaten while he was US champion. And there, and we're spending this over five championship rings. Oof. So I don't know if you have it. I'm pretty sure you probably have somebody different on your number two, but for yeah. me, for me and my list. There was nobody else that I felt like I could put as number two okay. on my list. Okay, I can understand that. I feel you on that one. I feel you on that one. <clears throat> my number two was your number five, and that's Booker T. All right. Okay. Okay. People I don't see know you. this. People don't know this. Booker T in the last days of WCW. Matter of fact, this was the, the last pay-per-view WCW put out. He beat Rick Steiner. Had a pay per view called Greed in 2001 to win the U.S. title. He was the last U.S. title and world champion of WCW before they went out of business. Which lets you know that that company had a lot of trust in Booker T. No telling what would have happened if they, you know they stayed in business. But he was their last U.S. champion and world heavyweight champion before they went out of business. That was 2001. Let's fast forward. And now he won the U.S. title a couple times, but it was this one match in particular that I enjoyed. And we're bringing his name up again. He defended the title against Chris Benoit on SmackDown, November 2005. The match ended in a draw. And the way it ended was kind of how I said it's the end between the... Rollins, Lynch, and Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans match. How you had two referees and they both counted the one, two, three. Well, in this scenario, they had two referees. One got knocked down, another one came out, and they did like this roll up for both of the men's shoulders were down. So one counted for Crispin Wall to be the winner, the other counted for Booker T to be the winner. So there was no clear cut winner of who is the new U.S. champion. Out walks Teddy Long, who's the general manager of SmackDown in 2005. And at this moment, I'm getting chills because I have a feeling on what's going to happen. He goes, Booker T, Chris Benoit. It seems like y'all had a history about who's the rightful contender for the champion or who's the rightful champion. So we're going to spark a best of seven series between you two. Let's rewind the tape back. WCW, 1998. Booker T and Chris Benoit had a best of seven series to find out who was going to be the number one contender for the TV title. Fast forward to 2005. Booker T and Chris Benoit, best of seven series for the U.S. title. Oh, I popped. And I remember I was at my brother's house, and he he's a big fan of Chris Benoit and the Booker T's best of seven series. And he popped, and we both looked at each other like, y'all about to see some 
y'all about to see some good in-ring work with these two in this best of seven series. And it did not disappoint. Granted, the two are a little older now, so the move sets was a little slower, but I'm not putting it past them. They were great in-ring technicians who told seven great stories, and I enjoyed every moment of it. So, and also, so far, the U.S. champions have all been, and I'm not looking at it as a black and white thing, but they've all been white males. First, to have a black man that represent the U.S. title was just great for me. I was like, cool, good. And he's and he's a very well-rounded, well-educated, well-spoken for African-American males. So he made a great, great U.S. champion for who he was, how he represented himself, how he carried the title, what he brought to the title. He brought prestige to the title. He, uh, he was a as you said before, I think you said he was a fighting champion or a working champion or something along those lines. He was just a great champion, a great person to call the U.S. champion. My number two, Booker T. Okay, you put me over calling me esteemed, so I'm going to put you over. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I call this man the most technically sound wrestling podcaster today. Okay? If you put <laughs> you put my... The, you know, me put Booker T at five in my explanation and in his. This is why I call him that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I did my homework on this one. You don't put a better explanation uh, on any, on anybody more deserving, you know, of being on the top ten list than that. You can't yeah. do any better than that. That yeah. was great. That was great. And, 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 it was per- and I think he's perfect on that list. I really wanted to put him higher, but when I looked at the other guys on my list, I was, uh, it was so hard for me to do it because I wanted to do, I wanted to be genuine about it. You know what I'm saying? To put feelings aside. So uh, that was, that was absolutely great. So on to our number ones. Well, real quick, did you have an honorable mention or you good? Okay. Before we get to, okay. Yeah. Before we get to our number ones, I literally have one honorable mention. Just one. And <laughs> it was Rey Mysterio. Oh, okay. Uh, my, my honorable mention was Rey Mysterio. I so wanted to put him on the list. I so like, I fought with myself hard to put him on this list. But, like, at the end of the day, like, and I was probably at a point where I was, like, going through all the research and was exhausted or whatever and just all this together. But Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio was such a great United States champion in WWE. And if I remember correctly, I don't want to be wrong, but it, but I know you'll you know what I'm saying you'll have my back if I'm wrong. I do believe he was also a United States champion in WCW also. Yeah. Not a, wait, okay. Wait, hold on. I don't know. Oh, we, uh, we got to do our research on that too. He might, <laughs> he, he might have been U.S. champion back when people stopped watching WCW, so like in 2000 and 2001. Yeah. But I couldn't find. I just remember him being a cruiserweight champion and a cruiserweight tag team champion along with Billy Kidman. Dude, I so forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of I forgot they had the cruiserweight tag team championships. Yeah. And I think he was a TV uh, champion. I think Yeah, I think he was a TV champion too. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. All right, so going to your number 1. So, my number 1 uh, good God, I'm the, 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 the guy who doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, the man number one, John Cena. God damn it! 
<laughs> you know I'm saying that, right? Because your number one is John Cena too. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, come on! Like, how do you match? He's an all-American boy. Chiseled, did the Marine movie. He wears the dog tags. He salutes the crowd before he runs out. He looks like a superhero. You notice how superheroes have that that very strong jaw? Like Superman got that very strong jaw. Batman got it. He has a very strong jawline. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what all superheroes have. You know, that very strong jawline. Built to the core. Damn it. Okay, go ahead. Dude, this is like the second list that we've done this in a row. Where <laughs> we both have the same number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I kind of what do you what do you say? He's uh, John Cena was probably one of the most sincere United States champions of all time. And when I say sincere, I mean John Cena understood the gravity of that championship. And yeah. he always made sure that he was a class act when he when he was United States Championship. Now we'll put aside the time in WrestleMania 20 <laughs> when he was still the Doctor of Thugonomics. Yeah, I didn't even. <laughs> when, yeah, I didn't even put that yeah, in my we'll, notes. Well, skip past that part. <laughs> but you know, turning into Mister uh, Hustle, Loyalty, and Respect. I mean, I just don't. You know, I could say stuff about him, but I feel like it wouldn't do it wouldn't do him justice on just how great of a United States champion he was. Right. Right. Like, That's all I got, man. Oh, okay. Number okay. one. Well, <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Well, I'm gonna do my honorable mention. As you know, John Cena is my number one. But before I go into deep detail on why he's my number one, my honorable mention. This might be controversial because he only held the U.S. title for one day, and that was Raven. He beat DDP for it at, a, I think it was like Spring Stampede in 98, and then he lost it the next night to Goldberg. But what I was saying about America during that time in the late 90s was in that grunge period, that very edgy period, and I thought Raven yeah. represented that very well. I wish he would have ran longer with it. But we was getting to that very dark part of our society. And he, yeah. he was the poster child of it. I got Raven. I got Kevin Owens. I got a man's name. We said at least seven times up here. Chris Benoit. Might have said it more. I got Shelton Benjamin. And I added the Miz once you put him on on your list. Because I was like, oh, yeah, the Miz. So yeah. those are my honorable mentions. My number one, John Cena. Um, At WrestleMania 31, 2015, he wrestled the champion at the time, your boy, your number three, Rusev, and he beat right. him. From March of 2015 to August of 2015, Cena had the U.S. Open Challenge, which I loved. He gave everybody an opportunity. And he wrestled guys from Zack Ryder, Stardust, who is Cody now, Kane, right. Dean Ambrose, Bad News Barry, Neville, Sami Zayn. I remember that match with Sami Zayn because that's when Sami Zayn dislocated his shoulder. Shoulder, yeah. 
Yeah. That was a hell of a match, too. Yeah, yeah. And all these were hell of a match. All these were five-star matches. John Cena does not give a four-star match. All of them were five-star. He wrestled Cesaro. Uh, And then he had that best. To me, it was like a best two out of three falls. But it was three pay-per-views back-to-back. And that was against Kevin Owens. Yeah. And those yeah. and that really solidified Kevin Owens. John Cena helped put Kevin Owens over. And I still yeah. remember real quick to get on Kevin Owens. John Cena had put uh, him in the um what's that submission move John Cena got? The um the uh STF, I think it is. Yeah, he put him in the STF, the STFU or whatever it is. And yeah. traditionally for sports entertainment or for wrestling, when you tap out, you tap on the mat. If you was in MMA and you tap out, you tap out wherever you can get your hand at. And Kevin Owens tapped out on John Cena's hand. Like, John Cena had his hands around his mouth and was pulling back. Kevin Owens tapped out on John Cena's hand, which is what you'll see in UFC or any type of mixed martial art. They don't tap on the mat. They tap on that person because they're in that much pain. They're telling you, hey, get off me. Get off me. I'm tapping. I'm tapping. You know, he didn't tap on the mat. And I just thought, Psychological wise, that was great. I don't even know if I said that word right, but that was great. And I just think, like I said before, John Cena, chiseled body, jawline like a superhero, the buzz cut, the dog test, sitting to fire the whole military, the salute in the crowd, the U.S. Open Challenge, my number one. I love it. I love it. God, that's I'm a lot out of me. God, I hope I hope y'all happy. Uh, you know they're not, because you know they're already like, okay, well, what about so and so? Hey, you kiss my ass with so and so. Kiss my ass with so and so. You do the homework on this thing. You work full time and pay all these bills, and yeah, you do that. But anyway, that's uh, why we're only. Just give y'all heads up. We only doing this once a month. Yes, yes. Our top ten, we are literally doing, like, our top ten list and our trips down, you know, our trips down memory lane. Like, sorry, guys, like, we got, you know, we have lots of stuff. Like, hey, if you guys want, if you guys want to support us and get more listeners into the point where we can do this for a living, yo, oh, I will I, do I, all yo, of this with no complaints. Yeah, no complaints whatsoever. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah. it. But there's already people like, well, you guys, you guys only do this, you guys only do that. Uh, sorry, <laughs> like, we kind of get. Yeah, do y'all want to come format this for us? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, bro, just the formatting that we have to do. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, we gotta like, watch all these shows, take notes on them, then do the side stuff like the top tens, remember the, the uh, memory lanes, the fantasy bookings. Like it's, yeah, it if you, takes a lot. Yeah, like if you guys are on my, if, if you guys are, uh, are following me on Twitter, I posted yesterday the full lineup of not only New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax, which we didn't cover, and we're not going to because neither of us are really versed in New Japan, and we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna come up here and act like we know what we're talking about when we don't, right. you know. But I, but I covered the G1 Climax. And I covered fight, uh, fight for the Fallen last night. 
Yeah. So it's like, uh, like, dude, we're exhausted. And Fight for the Fallen itself was just that was nuts. That was such a great pay per view. I mean, we didn't get too much. We didn't get too much into that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. but Fight for the Fallen was a, was an absolutely great pay per view. Um, yeah, guys, we're just exhausted. Yeah, we're tired, <laughs> like, man. And, and we're to but we do this one because we love wrestling, and two because you guys listen. We, yes. You know, so like I said before, if you, as long as you guys are listening, we're going to do this. And, we're, and I promise we'll try to keep the complaining to a minimum. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, this, yeah. Week, this week was just so crazy for the both of us. Tell um, dude, where, where are we at? This was the last thing, right? Do we have anything else? <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, I want to add um, <clears throat> for all the people in the Tidewater area who are listening, SmackDown will be coming to the Norfolk Scope September 3rd, I believe it is. Yes, that's right, of course. Yeah, we can't go without saying that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dollar start, I mean, mm, dollars. Tickets start as low as $15. So, you know, get your ticket now, get it at the door, whatever have you. Me and Eric would definitely be there. Um, should be a jam-packed oh. show. I think they're going to have Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston as the main event. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. You know, what? The, the card is subject to change, so. Uh, always. So, uh, uh, what do you say? What do we do? We give the people a, a live podcast from the parking lot. Like, do we give it to them? Um, what do we do? I don't know. I I don't know. Do it from here. Between now and September, we got a lot of podcasts to do. Yeah, we I'm might just want to. We might just want to give. We want to have this show for us. Yeah, we can cross that bridge when we get there. We'll, we'll decide. Yeah, we'll, decide. we'll see. We'll see. I tell you, if we, <clears throat> if, we hey, if we get more listeners, then you might, you guys might just force us to do it. So yeah. it, it really, it really depends on you guys. But we are definitely going to be there. You know, it, you know, you team. Well, I don't think people have actually ever seen what you look like because our thumbnail doesn't have us in it, so they don't really know what we look like. But. We give it, hey, but we give out all our stuff. So if you don't know what we look like, that's y'all's fault for yeah, not following. Yeah, do, do your research. Yeah, do your research. Okay, like, us. hey, do your research on us. You'll see, you you cannot mistake me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is absolutely no mistake. You see me and you know exactly who I am, okay? Big Grizz isn't enough of an indication. But yeah, if you guys see us at the show, man, come up, say hi to us. Tell us you love the show. Tell us you hate the show. You know, tell us, tell us what, you know, tell us what you guys want from the show. Like, we do this for you guys. Like, we enjoy doing this, but we do this for the fans, you know what I'm saying, for the fans that don't get, you know what I'm saying, don't get, you know, don't get to listen to podcasts and they feel like it or, you know, want something of their own. Because, like I said, for our side, we live in, we live in Virginia. So, you know, we do this for the people in Virginia who don't, you know what I'm saying, who want something of their own. Like, right. this is just as much y'all's podcast as it is ours. You know, so we we love listening to you guys. We love getting feedback. Like, I love, like, somebody added me on Twitter the other day and told me they really like the show. Like, dude, that made my day. Like, right. it, it really <clears throat> makes our day when you guys, like, hit us up, like, we're not jerks, you know what I'm saying? So if you guys say something to us, we're going to talk to you. As long as you're being respectful, like, we're always going to hit you guys back, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But we, don't deal, but we don't deal in negativity, so if you come bringing negative stuff, don't get upset when you don't get a response, you know? But this podcast is y'all's, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you guys, we, we're just making a narrative, but you guys are the ones that runs the show. Like I said, if you, if you guys decide, you know, there's a whole bunch of listeners come and you guys are talking, you know, saying, well, what, why don't, 
can you guys give us a podcast before the show? Like, dude, we'll do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. what you guys want. <clears throat> so, Go ahead, because I was talking too much. I'm sorry. No, you good. So, <laughs> as you know, as we said at the beginning of our podcast, there's a pay-per-view tonight, stream rules. Um, you can catch that on the WWE Network. Um, like I said uh, earlier, SmackDown for the Tidewater people. SmackDown, September 3rd. Um, is there anything else? <clears throat> uh, I don't believe I don't believe there's anything else. I think that's it, man. Right. I think that's it. Let's, let's give them. Let's give them. Uh, tell them how they can reach us. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram at All Power to the People. That's A W L P O W R, the number two D A P P L. That's my Instagram handle. You can catch me on Facebook at Shabo. That's S-H-E-A space B-O. You can also catch me on Twitter at Shabo, the number four, all one word, no space or anything, Shabo four, the number four at that. Then I want to reach my fans, our fans, any way I can. So you can also call or text me at 757 419-1990. 419-1990. That's 757-419-1990. And I will always pick up. If I'm not picking up, it's because I'm busy at work or busy doing the podcast. But if you leave a message or send me a text, I will definitely get back to you. That's right. That's how you can reach him and how you can reach me. You can always hit me up on Facebook, Eric Biz Grizz Billups. You can also catch me on Instagram, lineage underscore of underscore excellence. And you can also catch me on Twitter. My handle is 7CityPsycho. The S is the dollar sign. The C is the at sign. So, makes no sense, but that I thought it, it liked it. I liked it when, it, when I saw it. So, <laughs> give me that. I know it's an A and a C. Get over it. Uh, also, if you guys want to reach me, my number is 757-633-0132. Hit me up if you guys have suggestions for the show. If you guys have a top 10 list that you want us to do, or if, there, if there's a trip down memory lane you want, you know, you want our thoughts or, or our opinions on, hit us up. Like Just like Shay, I work too. So if I don't hit you, you know, your best, your best bet is probably to text me. You know, because I'm always between work and my kid. So I may not always be able to answer the phone, but please text me anytime. You know, and I'll answer you guys when I can. All right. That is the Hot Tap Podcast for this week. Join us next week. We will give you another raw down aftermath of um, the pay-per-view extreme rules. And I think we're going to do some fantasy booking. How long is that to go? Finally, yes. for a minute. So stay tuned. Thanks for the support, and we will talk to you next week. We out. Hot tag podcast. Peace.